Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Wes for Fandom Power. I'm back once again uh, with these guys. It's uh, Hank and Andy, and we are back. Maybe. <laughs> I say maybe. Uh, this is sort of a, an impromptu uh, throw together. We didn't actually get through part five of the high ground uh, and our regularly scheduled scream, uh, scream? If you, ah, if you happen to catch it week. before we pulled it, because it was mental, <laughs> I spent a lot of time just opening action figures and sort of talking to myself. And talking to yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the world we live in sometimes, you know? Technology, uh, when it works, it works great. And when it doesn't, uh, it can really throw you for a loop. And so, not Telegraph. wanting... Telegraph podcasts used to suck. <laughs> you remember back in the day when we used to do them by by smoke signal <laughs> anyway here we are we're going to take another crack at it we're going to we're going to you know rewind time pretend that nothing ever happened and we're going to go through the whole thing all over again good thing we were only what 18 slides in on a 60 plus slide presentation yep all right i feel pretty good about that um, yeah we got it Oh, first comment already. Morse code. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> All I know is uh, uh, dot 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 dash 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 dot dot dot. SOS. That's the only one I know. That's the important one. And I know that an Orabash A looks like a letter K. Nice. All right. All right. Anyway, um, I'm going to get some of the housekeeping stuff out of the way that I talked about earlier this week, just for the benefit of those who are catching us now for the first time. Um we have a Patreon. So um, if you're uh, if you like the show and you would like to support us directly, you can head over to patreon.com. It's the Fandom Power Podcast where you can select from one of three levels of support where you can become a part of the production team here on the show. Whether you want to support us quietly and, and just sort of make a, a, a quiet donation with no fanfare and no recognition at all, or we would be more than happy to put your name in the credits uh, as a producer. And if you want to go all the way to the top tier and become an executive producer on the show, you can submit your show ideas. And when we select them to be developed into fully fledged episodes, you will be invited on the show as a special guest slash co-host because it's your show. 
All right. Now that that's out of the way, I want to talk about uh, some of the reveals we got that answered some of the questions that we had, particularly. There was a couple. There was. I mean, we're toy people here. We like toys. I think some of you guys like toys. I like toys. I do, too. So speaking of toys, uh, just a quick aside. Asbro Pulse showed off a Star Wars six-inch black series Ned B today. He looks all right. So if you're a fan of Ned B, you have Ned B to look forward to. But I want to talk about these guys. Let's start with this one. We saw that uh, uh, bounty hunter droid, the the protocol droid, what, back on Dayu in episode um, two, I guess it was. When we went to Dayu, was it episode yeah. two? Yeah. 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 Two or three. And I had questioned if this was maybe uh, a reuse of uh, four LOM from the Empire Strikes Back or perhaps. I certainly um, thought that's what it version. was from the, the teaser trailer. Well, even with the green glowing eyes, it was very four LOM. Yeah. We've never seen him at night. So who knew that his eyes didn't glow, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then I thought, well, maybe the, the dual wield pistol thing is just the shtick. Like, it's just an earlier thing that, that he's either been reprogrammed this or. What he started out with. And then the other thought I had was maybe this droid was a, a hybrid of maybe Q90, the, the character voiced by Richard Iowati of IT Crowd. Turns out, nope, those are both wrong. This is a brand new character. This is One Jack. And uh, although we have no idea what the designation One Jack is, uh, we, do have, we did have earlier confirmation on that name from an interview that uh, Deborah Chow gave because this uh, character did not appear in the credits. Oh. So yeah, One Jack it is. And then the other thing we got, and this is the one that had me really jazzed, because uh, for any of you that know me on a on a personal note in my Black Series collection, you know that I am a like freaking nut for clone troopers. Uh, not that I have like a gajillion of the same clone, but like each time there's a new very not stormtroopers, mind you, clone troopers. So when there's a new clone, I I kind of flip for them. So when we saw like this new purge trooper, I'm like, what is going on here? Oh yeah. Um, as you may or may not know that the purge troopers were some of the last clones ever, uh, ever to come out of Camino. In fact, some of them came after order 66, a little fault that would be used against them later on, but that's a comic book story for another time. This one, however, this is the purge trooper phase two, um, which we kind of speculated. Is this just the next iteration? Is this in fact, not a clone? Is this a, a, a trooper? Yeah. A conscript or a highly trained stormtrooper. Best of the so this, best. This the is best. one of my, my favorite things about this figure is that we get it, detailed information about it on the toy box about this character. These, these yeah. set of troopers, just like we used to get back in the, in the seventies and eighties when we didn't know, like, what's this guy's name? He's standing around in the bar. I was five. I saw it. He looked cool. But you now I know man. that that's Walrus Man. <laughs> that's right. right. Yes. You know what I mean? I do. Or I do. Leia's last name is never spoken, I don't think, in the first movie. But on the action right. figure, it's Princess Leia. Or Princess Leia. And so we used yeah. to get barrels of information that way from the toys, from the trading cards, from the novels and things. If and anything. I love the, the fact that they've done that again. Live action television has done for Star Wars has done even more for the toy collectors of the world because it, it canonizes so many things that because if you don't know, like Kenner, Kenner was given a lot of pre-production artwork. They mm -hmm. they didn't know what characters were going to be called. So, I mean, Looking Kenner, at you, blue snaggletooth. Well, this exactly. Um, and so to see a lot of those toy elements uh, come into live action and become a fully recognized and realized part of the canon, it's just a. It's like a uh, yeah. chef's kiss, right? For for all the toy collectors out there. 
Get another comment that just came in here. This one says, uh, any thoughts on the Bad Batch clones? Well, a person, I have lots of thoughts on the Bad Batch clones, but more specifically, uh, Facebook user, if you are referring to the Bad Batch clones in Where Are They Now, circa Obi-Wan, my heart of heart thinks and hopes they're out there. I would think so. They're out there doing their thing. Mm-hmm. They're probably they're probably old. Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, they're old. Well, you figure if like in episode two, we saw one of the regular clone troopers begging for money on the streets. That's right. So they're still out there. I think it's amazing that we got that little nod uh, with Tamira Morrison to come back, especially when they tell us that the clones age rapidly, but not so rapidly that he didn't look like with a shave and a haircut that he couldn't be back into fighting form. Yeah. All right. The other thing I love about this, this is, and this is just sort of to satisfy my own itch. Uh, this is our phase two purge trooper. Um, as we said before, kind of has this like hybrid still looks like clone armor, but that helmet, there's something going on with that helmet where it is a, it looks like a mashup between a standard stormtrooper helmet and uh, possibly an Imperial officer. Uh, but also some Vader esque elements in there with that triangular sort of respirator piece on the top. And when you put that up against the uh, the phase one purge trooper, you can sort of see the the evolution of that. And I think they look fantastic side by yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The phase one kind of looks like a the Michelin man. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Sort of domes yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, it's yeah. your dog's Kong toy. I can't wait. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I hope not. I can't wait for the, the purge uh, two. Uh, old, uh, old galaxy. Yes. Uh, but is the series good or was it their only play? Uh, and then we get a follow-up comment that says, uh, Rex and company were, were old in the clone wars and they still kicked though. Yes, they did. Um, and we know that they're going to be, we know that they make it at least until rebels. And we know that, uh, Rex has been canonized to have been at the battle of Endor. So, I mean, old does not mean, uh, unable to fight. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the Bad Batch, uh, what what we got, and I I think that knowing that there's a second season that, that that's another long con. So yep, it's it's sort of place in the canon will be you know well still be determined for sure. Again, I still think that they're out there now. Tamira Morrison has said he would uh, be interested in playing more clone characters, and I think it becomes a little bit more difficult though when, I mean, at least with the Bad Batch, you can go you've got some variety. So you don't necessarily have to have the same actor uh, play every, uh, every right. member of the bad batch. Like you would have to in, uh, if you were doing like, Hey, we're going to go and visit uh, the 501st Legion where you'd have that, to. Yeah. Yeah. So if we could the, the face tech properly done. You could yeah. really flex on that by putting different versions of tomorrow Morrison on. Different, yes, you could. You know what I mean? You could really or you could just that. hire a bunch of other uh, Maori uh, no, that's, actors, that's very you know true. that are you know that fit the bill i mean i mean I, I mean all kidding aside i mean you could get a dwayne johnson to play your wrecker and you could have uh tamura morrison play let's say uh hunter and then mm-hmm. other other polynesian actors fill out those ranks as long as they fit the general description Archetype. for yeah. that character you know yeah, right. yeah yeah exactly Oh, we got one more coming. Actually, I'm not going to read that one out loud. It's Rob, It's my buddy Rob from Petawawa. He's not sure why the comments are not showing up. Rob, uh, commenting through our Facebook group, 
you must go over to StreamYard on Facebook and give them permission to use your name. It's all part of the privacy settings to protect your identity so nobody can see who you are, you anonymous Facebook user, you. It's <laughs> yeah, right. out of the bag now, though. It is, yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't say no last names. No last names. Could be any number of Robs. True. I, I could just say. be, that's a red herring. It could be. Mm. Maybe it's a Bob. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, let's move on. All right. And then the last thing that they gave us, uh, I guess this is last week now, is they gave us a rendering of this uh, iteration of uh, Tala Durath. Um, and that's a great rendering because that looks like fabric. And maybe now that I'm looking at it, maybe it's not a Black Series figure that they're that they're showing us a rendering of. Maybe it's something larger, but... It could be a six-scale... Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It almost looks like soft goods there in the... Uh, I don't know what you call those things in the in the pants. The, the flappy oh, things like the, yeah. the polo riders. I don't right, know what right, to call right. those things. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Interesting that this is the version of Tala that they chose to go with and not the, uh, you know, hair down kind of version. More to but follow. It's more to follow. That's all Absolutely. Yeah. And like I, I said before, if you, if you were only coming to this character now and you weren't invested in that character, who does not want another Imperial officer for their collection? At Especially least for, yeah, a custom figure to use yeah. for something else. Yeah. So yeah, we got those to look forward to, and a whole bunch more. Like, uh, what was it? Obi Wan, Wandering Jedi, I think was uh, one, and then there's Obi Wan uh, Jabim Station is the other one that I've seen floating around. Everybody gets a figure, <laughs> or three, or ten, and all the Inquisitors. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so they are coming. I love it. Here's all right. Money has uh, today saw the finale of the episode, or the finale of the series, for that matter, and I do not want to divert. Uh, from what we're talking about tonight because if i do i will not give tonight the attention that it deserves so with no more uh fanfare or, or uh, no more on that we're gonna we're gonna get right into it it is uh part five of obi-wan kenobi the, ser- the series that is now completely streaming on disney plus uh this one uh debuted wednesday june 15th 2022 was written by joby harold and andrew stanton andrew stanton only got two episodes in this series he got uh episode five and episode six um i would have loved to have seen him get a whole lot more <laughs> now that i've seen his uh his writing mm-hmm. um if you're not familiar with his work he's a longtime writer producer director and sometimes voice actor over at pixar with writing credits and directing credits for uh, finding nemo Finding Dory, Wally, and the 2012 John Carter, as well as a writing and co-writing credits for all four to- uh, Toy Story films, of which he voiced Emperor Zerg. Nice, crazy. All right. As uh, the rest of the series, this one is directed by Deborah Chow. We have a runtime th- uh, last week, or this week, I should say, of uh, 43 minutes with the recap and the uh, credits, or 34 minutes and 17 seconds without. And our episode synopsis this week reads, Imperial Forces Attempt to Draw Obi-Wan Out. All right, and the episode opens. It is a bright, sunny day on Coruscant as we open with a wide shot of the dense cityscape seen below what I believe to be is one of the four corner spires of the Jedi Temple. As the camera pulls back, Jedi Padawan Anakin Skywalker stands tall as he overlooks the urban sprawl. Interestingly enough, uh, (laughs) this is probably the lowest density of air traffic that we've ever seen on Coruscant. It's a Sunday. 
Well, this is it. I talked about that earlier. Is this just a production, uh, like a budgetary thing to save on costs so we don't have to populate the the uh, sky with, you know, the seven, the same seven repeating cars in a row, like the Flintstone thing, right? But you know what? I actually said the same thing that like in the story, it could serve to to sort of infer to us where we are in the uh, galactic timeline. And I would say that that tells us that this is before the militarization of the Republic yes, when there just a- isn't enough, you know, there's no reason to have that much travel. There's no war going on. So it's just, this is just a regular day on Coruscant. That's a good bet too. It's the first indication of the timeline. I also find it super interesting that I, sure. I, that I think that's Padme's apartment off in the distance that he's staring at. I wondered that. And so, I mean, there's no, I can't corroborate it in any way, but, it certainly looks like, you know, he he could see Padme's apartment from the the temple in Revenge of the Sith. That's right. Yeah. But it, what's interesting about if if that is the truth, if that is Padme's apartment, this is pre Attack the Clones, so he hasn't met her as an adult yet. No. So he's been staring at her, pining for her, for eight to ten years, and. That makes him quite loopy. <laughs> That's it does like make him kind of loopy. A little bit stalkery, like like a lot closer to sort of Vader. You know, not like not uh, like a female stalker, but certainly you think of Vader as stalking the enemy. Well, like, I mean, it man, certainly it certainly speaks to. I mean, especially in the context of the entire series, his level of obsession when Absolutely. when there is That's when the there word. is something in his sights. It's obsessive. I mean, right. how else do you say it? Laser focused. Yeah, exactly. Another question here that uh, this is, I, I believe this is also Rob who says, did any episodes get you in the feels? Quite yeah, we got to um, talk about that next week. Yeah, because when we do when we do our final episode review, we're, we're going to touch on the series as a whole um, and talk about sort of highs and lows of the series altogether. But the short answer is yes. I, I would say that there are, there are at least at least one moment in every episode, if I were really to to hone in on it, that I would say like really had me in an emotional place. Not necessarily because of the context of the episode, but because of my, uh, you know, how I feel as a fan about about the property. So mm-hmm. some of those callbacks I really really loved. Um, no secret, I loved the Alec Guinness uh, callback, which a lot of people missed. By the way, yeah, right. Did not pick up that it was Alec Guinness in that hologram on Dayu, but that might have been actually. In fact, I think if you go back and watch that episode, I think I, I actually said something like this might be the best callback ever in yeah. Star Wars TV. So, and I stand by that, by the way. Well, maybe we'll talk next week. <laughs> actually, that's not true. We're going to talk on Sunday because a regular, uh, a regular schedule will resume. Mm-hmm. That's right. Of course, if you're catching this in the replay, you have no idea what day of the week it is. Hey, what even what year it is? I don't know. Maybe it's 2025 when you're watching that this. old show Obi Wan. They're still talking about that. <laughs> That's right. Season one, we're on season six already. What Darth the Darth Vader season nine just came out for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Talking about Sundays, uh, a lazy Sunday on Coruscant. I actually took a, a few minutes and kind of dipped into this for a bit. Uh, canonically speaking, within Star Wars, there actually are no Sundays. Uh, because within Star Wars, uh, there are just five days in the Galactic Standard Week. And uh, those days are actually named after one of the celestial bodies or a historical inhabitant of the planet Coruscant. So the five days of the week in Star Wars, they are Prime Day, Syntax Day, Tong's Day, Gel Day, and last, Bendu Day. Nice. 
the Bendu. Well played, sir. For nice any research. of you Star Wars Rebels fans. Yes, and while we're at it, let me just uh, round that out and tell you the Galactic Standard Year comprises 368 days, uh, and those are made up of 10 35-day months, along with uh, three weeks, or sorry, three one-week-long festivals that make up the additional 18 days. But when you factor in local time telling, and you realize that not every world observes every holiday, it becomes very convoluted. <laughs> I like the way their galaxy or... works. What's that? I like the way their galaxy works because when I look out uh, up at the sky, the, those the, the light is a uh, hundred million years ago. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so hyperspace fixes all that stuff. It's like daylight savings time for the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, really. I wonder if they ever added a Palpatine Day after the fact. They may have, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy, you know, minted himself a, a, a There will a be holiday. six days now. Yeah, It'd be really. nice to get a, like a running tally about the holidays because we know Chief's Day Empire or something. Empire Day yeah. and we yeah, know yeah, yeah. In, in universe. You know, that might actually be something that we could do as a, as a future uh, social media thing. We could uh, take a look on that, much like we did with the evolution of uh, Imperial Shuttles. We'll call it the Star Wars Holiday Special. Nice. <laughs> the nice. Fandom Power Holiday Special. Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so we are at the Jedi Temple, in fact. And uh, as I had posited earlier, I still think that this is one of the four uh, corner spires. That's uh, where they're meeting right now. Now, the four corner spires, we don't actually get really good looks at the temple um, short of these long shots. We get certain elements, like we get the library, we get the high council chamber, but we don't really get a whole lot of, oh, the main concourse at the bottom of uh, the bottom of the mountain, as it's actually called. It's not yeah. the, the ziggurat or the pyramid. It's actually referred to as a mountain. And uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe that that structure is actually built around a natural rock foundation. Hmm. Yeah. So each of the spires actually has a, while they do look uh, aesthetically identical, serves a different purpose. And uh, those purposes are, uh, we have the Tower of First Knowledge, which is the meeting place of the Council of First Knowledge, whose role was to provide advice on matters requiring ancient Jedi wisdom, including the uh, curriculum for the temple, as well as the Jedi archives. Next, we have the Reassignment Council Tower, which, of course, is the meeting place of the Council of Reassignment. These are the people who manage the Jedi Service Corps, because not everybody who uh, becomes part of the Jedi Order is actually chosen to become a Padawan, and some of them will never be uh, Jedi Knights. And they still need uh, to have a fulfilling life and work to do. So they end up going to work for the, um, the service corps. Uh, they would organize work for Jedi younglings not chosen to become Padawans. It also housed the Chamber of Judgment. Uh, then we have the High Council Tower. Of course, this housed the meeting place for the Jedi High Council, whose role uh, was the overall decision making for matters affecting the entire Jedi Order. Uh, and then we have the Tower of Reconciliation. This is uh, the place where the Council of Reconciliation would meet. Their purpose was to work with the Galactic Senate and the Republic Diplomatic Corps on settling matters of interplanetary dispute. And then uh, last but not least, we have that middle tower right in the middle. That one was actually called the uh, Tranquility Spire. It is the tallest of uh, the five towers. And uh, it is the, the tower that housed the Hall of Knighthood, as well as the repository for all the Jedi's oldest and most sacred texts. 
you know, the page turners that Yoda was talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now the spire also contained an additional, sorry, an additional meeting place for the Jedi high council. And then after order 66 and uh, the formation of the empire, the tranquility spire became the personal residence of emperor Palpatine. Hmm. Another uh, comment here coming in from Facebook says, are you doing anything regarding lightsaber reviews? Saber Forge or others, just asking before I go to do dad stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fantastic question. So um, I have one one lightsaber, and mine is an older Hasbro Force FX lightsaber. So I can't really speak to some of those other companies like Saber Forge. Hank, you've got a couple at your place. Yeah, I got five or six here. Most of them are Hasbro. I have two Asajj Ventresses. Lauren has two Asajj Ventresses. <laughs> sure, sure. Miami. Uh, I have half a mall. <laughs> ah. um, and the other two are, are Rebel Sabers from the company Rebel Sabers, who I found on Facebook. And uh, they took a while to get here, but uh, they're awesome products. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd be down to talk about Sabers. There's, I mean, a That's lot out there. I would be down to talk about lightsabers yeah. as well. I'd be down to talk to the manager of Toys R Us for putting a four ninety nine ninety nine tag on the dark saber too. Well, I'm willing to do that in, a, in an alley. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this is Lauren coming in here, Hank, when she says, "Well, they're mostly all mine." Yeah, it's a true story. It's a true story. She even modified hers like an actual Jedi. Super. Proud. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Dude. All right. Well, yes. So lightsabers. It, it, it's always open for discussion here. I mean, we just, we love this. Maybe, you know, that's one of those things where we do like an open Q and a, if we ever have an audience big enough to do an open Q and a, or we curate questions over say a, a 30 day period. And then we just do that. So uh, I know that that, that comment was from Doug. I'm pretty sure. Dad's oh, Doug. was it Doug? Okay. I, I bet it was Doug and Doug. Just, if you Patreon us, you could force us to do a lightsaber. Review you, episode. you definitely <laughs> could do that. Absolutely. All right, then let's move on. Shall we? From behind, we can hear Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi enter the courtyard as he says, Ah, there you are. Turning, Anakin gives a slight bow as he says, I was beginning to think you weren't coming, Master. And Master uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi answers with, Good, then maybe I stand more of a chance this time. As the two Jedi square off and begin a lightsaber sparring session. Good time to ask that question. Oh, it was Rob. Rob says that was him. Good time to ask that question as we're about to have a lightsaber fight. Excellent. (laughs) As the uh, master and the apprentice begin their duel, both men begin to circle the other while a slight grin forms on Anakin's face. Uh, In this sequence, uh, I don't know about you guys, but want to talk about the uh, de-aging that may or may not have been used here. What do we think about that? Didn't take me out of it at all. Uh, Me neither. No, me me either. I mean... Maybe for a split second where I went, oh, okay, that's the way they went. And then, you know, and not take me out of it anyway. I just certainly noted it. We're not, you know, if anything, I think they use practical effects to, you know, just like makeup. Just, right. And, yeah. 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 Um, this was, I, I watched A New Hope last night and it was something I was watching going, you know, like looking at Pondo Baba and looking at the, the, the Bith and, all, and, and going, what is everybody complaining about? Have they actually seen the first movie? <laughs> there is a lot of it. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, you can see we the, could spend what, what what they're saying about Obi Wan is that we don't like it because we can see the seams. And, yeah, and A New Hope is all seams. It's all <laughs> and, seams and latex and rubber and yeah. so, walking into doors. <laughs> no, yes, headbutting doors. <laughs> and I, I think I even uh, I, I read that they're they they're aging Obi Wan with makeup 
from what Ewan McGregor actually looks like so, to play the yeah, character I mean, in that show. So I got to tell you, I anything, mean, they don't they just back it off a little in that that sort of Jesus Obi-Wan guy's got he's there. he's got maybe I think he's been dipped in uh, Dick Clark's remains, you know, yeah. like he's just <laughs> yeah. he's yeah, pretty he timeless. Yeah. yeah, he really does. Yeah. Super nice. He looks great too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. He's that man has immaculate teeth. Yeah. And the smart when he does the little the Padawan smile, man, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I did, honestly at first I thought there was no uh de-aging used at all. I was just like, oh, they've just chosen to leave them as is because we're not so far removed from that time period that it really matters all that much. And uh, like you said, Andy, it never took me out. So no, yeah. like I did see online there was a meme for the 40-year-old Padawan. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. I do want to point out that this is our next big indicator of where this may fall into the timeline is that Anakin does have his right hand uh, in this sequence, which is the hand, as you can see here, that was uh, it kindly relocated by Count Dooku uh, during uh, Attack of the Clones. So this is pre-militarization uh, of yeah. the Republic. Yeah. At least by days anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All so, right. So episode one, pre-episode two. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, it's Anakin that makes the first uh, swing, and um, as his blade is met by Obi-Wan's, the scene cuts, and uh, standing on the bridge of his Star Destroyer, Darth Vader is jarred from his memory by the ship's captain, announcing that uh, the arrival of Reva, the third sister. Reva tells Lord Vader that she's honored to be invited aboard his ship, but in true Vader style, he says... I'm not interested in civilities and demands, where is he? The third sister informs her master that the tracker she planted has worked and Obi-Wan is on Jabim. Vader says, you have done well, and then orders her to kneel. Um, anybody get the impression that she was a little like, uh, like, oh, a little bit of reservations there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't think she understood what was about to happen. I think there's a part of her that actually thought like it's over. He's going to reward my success with, you know. Yeah. Name. Yeah. You are no longer necessary. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Really. With an uneasy look, Reva takes a knee to await whatever fate is about to befall her. And when Vader proclaims grand inquisitor, she looks up wide and then quickly regains her composure, averting her gaze back to the deck as the ship's captain places the badge of office on her uniform. And while Riva continues to kneel, uh, taking in what just happened, Vader orders the captain to set a course for Jabim at once. We cut to space where Roken's freighter is now seen speeding towards the surface of Jabim. The descriptive audio in this sequence refers to the planet as being ruddy and primitive both conditions that make it suitable for a secret operation like the path. Descending below the clouds, we see that the atmosphere of the planet is really dirty and the landscape is covered in rocky formations and endless pools of what appears to be mud. The ship slows to a hover just above a circular hatch in the ground and two huge doors retract to reveal an underground hangar. The ship slowly descends below the surface while a large crowd of refugees gathers to watch. Now, Jabim made its first appearance in the uh, 2003 Dark Horse comic, uh, Star Wars Republic number 55. 
That issue, along with uh, issue number 56, were collectively referred to as a storyline called Blood and Rain. In that story, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin were assigned to Jabim during the Clone War at a time when most of the locals had sided with the Separatists. That suddenly put the existing Republic outposts in extreme danger. And uh, one element of that story that seems to have carried over is this perpetual kind of rain crappy sort of atmospheric conditions that make it muddy and blah. but so I, I went and uh, read that yeah yeah after yeah. like because we uh had an extra day if you will or two yeah 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 um it's 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 really good i know it's a legends thing but there's there's more parallels uh between okay uh what's going on there and what's going on in in, in our show and it might right be one of the reasons they chose it first of all um it's Obi-Wan and Anakin are there as master and Padawan and yeah yeah uh, it, you know it's not lost on me that they're still this master Padawan relationship between them you know the way they can sense each other the way they oh, sure. each other yeah uh, but a, a ship explodes and Obi-Wan goes missing for the entire run of the two comics, right going yeah to appear at the end and it's basically Anakin left to his own devices uh with a bunch of other Jedi Padawans and they lose they are yeah. they are they are supremely handed their asses by separatist forces. Interesting. And, uh, it's it's you know it's basically uh, Anakin in a bacta tank at the end, and he barely oh. survives it. Uh, and it's it's a good read if you can if you can suss it out, or I can send you a link uh, uh, to the online version. I read. Yeah, yeah. It's um, ostensibly it's it's very like Obi Wan is missing. He's not present for yeah. the whole thing, and. Uh, it's sort of like Obi-Wan's spirit in this is he's, you know, uh, he went missing on Jabim, but he's reappearing on Jabim. Uh, right. You know what I mean? Right, 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 yeah. right. I thought That's it was cool. great. I like yeah. that. Uh, another reference, we get uh, Jabim pops up in uh, the 2006 expansion Forces of Corruption. That was an expansion for the uh, the RTS video game Star Wars Empire at War, which I have not played. I don't know about you guys. Nope. Uh, now, canonically, Jabim gets mentioned in the 2016 Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, beginner game, uh, the RPG beginner game from Fantasy Flight Games, but uh, the episode, episode five of Obi-Wan Kenobi, is indeed its first on-screen appearance. Nice. Uh, side note here for yeah. Dark Horse Comics. Uh, yeah. They got something to go with Star Wars again. Oh, they've got a, at they've least got a, a new a, title. A partial uh, Star Wars Hyper, I think it's Hyperlane Tales. Interesting. Hyperspace Tales. Yeah. I personally liked when Dark Horse had the license for Star Wars because there was, I mean, that was right at the sort of the height of the, the newly resurgent uh, expanded universe. That's where we got uh, Tales of the Jedi. Arguably mm -hmm. without, there would be no Knights of the Old Republic because... I mean, Knights of the Old Republic, really, I mean, let's face it, is just a rebranded Tales of the Jedi. It's totally in that, is. you know, that totally three, Ooh, three like thousand years before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, yeah, Dark Horse I... has been sharing the license with Marvel for a bit now. They have three or four titles. Uh, hmm. oh, a lot of them are like Star Wars Tales, though. They're like, you know, they. Oh, not... like the, the kid, the kid oriented. The thing with, yeah, uh, or, that we saw or... with Jackson. Kind of, yeah, or like one-offs where they're just like, you know, they're not necessarily canon, but they're yep. like tales in the Star Wars universe, uh, one-offs. Interesting, kind of okay. But there's okay. a few different lines, and they've been sharing the license for about a year now. Okay. But I think this All is right. one of their bigger launches that they're doing. Okay, good to know. Neat. 
All right. Debarking the ship, Roken exclaims, we've got them. Followed by uh, Tala, who is now reunited with Ned B. Ben and Leia, meanwhile, spot a familiar face in the crowd. Approaching the man, Ben asks Haja Estri what he's doing there. Haja tells him that he had no place to go, that after his confrontation with Riva back on Dayu, he became wanted by the Empire. But it's not all somber as he manages to crack a smile and a joke, telling Ben, well, now I know what it's like to be a real Jedi. Mm -hmm. Turning serious again, he remarks, it isn't easy. As uh, he turns to walk away, he does make one last crack when he says, this place is a good business opportunity, though. (laughs) Awesome. Now, uh, as Leia runs off to meet some other children standing near Tala, Ben turns his attention back to Roken. Pointing at the transport that they just came in on, Ben says he needs to get Leia back to Alderaan. But Roken is hesitant, saying that the refugees here have been waiting for months, and as soon as he can get them out, he'll do whatever Ben wants. Roken goes on to say that uh, they used an old trade route uh, to get them out, but the window is about to close in just a few hours. And the reason that they are pressed for time is because he, along with Wade, Sully, used that time to rescue Ben, Tala, and Leia. I want to talk about trade routes for a second here, because trade routes, as we commonly understand them in Star Wars, are exactly that. It's in the name, trade route. It's a, it is a well-mapped-out hyperspace route that uh, commercial space traffic would use to move goods and people. So the question I have is, why would a trade route be time-sensitive? New owners? Is this a secret trade route that so, maybe had been yeah. abandoned, or that's or what maybe that's, re, rediscovered? This is my thought, but this is where we fell apart in the last episode. Actually, I think I said this three times before we. <laughs> oh, is that is this we where were, the internet went? Yeah, uh, that's where we were chopping up. And okay. Every time we came back, I was trying to get it out again. So let's do this. So, <laughs> in the High Republic comics, there's a thing called the Path, and the Path is a secret set of hyperspace lanes utilized by these pirates basically use it to put themselves in a position to be major threats to the Republic and therefore major threats to the Jedi. Interesting. Um, they just pop in and out of hyperspace wherever they want. And the, it's the, the means aren't necessarily exactly explained, yeah. but it's, it's very similar to the way that uh, wormholes work where like gates open and close and they have these computers that tell them you know when to be where and 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 sort of uh at the same time it's a little bit uh forcey magic-y <laughs> kind okay of thing, yeah no no i get it when you say so, it, i totally get it the so force the path, can do weird when, stuff when i had said like when they called it the path in the very first yep. episode i was like oh i think maybe that's a connection there to and, the the high republic and if if he's saying uh you know a hyperspace lane can close or or a trade route can close yeah uh I think it's more than just uh, it has hours of operation. It's interesting that the the potential for a duality of meaning, because the other context with which we hear the path referred to in this episode is as an organization mm. that the path is a, you know, almost uh, like a quasi uh, pre-rebellion rebellious uh, cell, or at least the, the makings of what might become one. Right. The path will protect us. It's also not yeah. lost on me that the, uh, 
official Jedi handbook is called the, 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 the path of the Jedi path of the Jedi. Interesting. Here's a question for you, Hank in the, uh, the, those old, uh, old Republic, uh, sorry. Um, uh, the high Republic comic books mm. has the Republic reached a point where they have figured out how to deal with these pirates. Um, so <laughs> there, there are, Yes and no. They they're taking quite a back. So the the part of the, if 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 part of the fall of the Republic is based on Jedi hubris, yeah, this is the beginning of Jedi hubris because they don't oh, actually know. Right. They're so arrogant at this point. Um, but it's it's this open, honest arrogancy because there is there is no match for them. Like the gotcha, Sith haven't gotcha. been around for thousands of years. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They they are the. Uh, they are what we kind of imagined Jedi to be when we first saw Obi-Wan as an old man and he would tell the stories to Luke that it's it's like swashbuckling frontiersmen sure, sure. who, who help settle worlds and tame beasts and when and, you hear the line, you know, for ten thousand generations the Jedi's were the guardians of yeah. peace and justice. And, and so what the the High Republic, the idea is it's the beginning of the end. And yeah. it's it's about two hundred years ago. And Yoda is a pretty pre- uh, preeminent character in it and it's yep. fun to watch him be like you know not the yoda we know like a little more yoda arrogant and, and and a little bit more of a like i'm just gonna go off and do what i want uh so yeah i'm not gonna yeah, be yeah. on the council this week uh and you know and actually I guess, take lots of padawans with him on adventures and stuff actually i, I guess the reason <laughs> why I, the reason why i asked that because it it would it would seem to me that the logical conclusion from that is if the republic had actually figured out a way to deal with these pirates and they shut this these secret routes down then that would actually explain how it is the path is in fact both it is an yeah. organization and That's it true. is a set of of hyper lanes that are kept secret and uh, that would just make sense to me this this era this 200 years before phantom menace sort of thing is is yeah. where i think that Disney wants to sort of sit and perhaps tell some of the legends tales and perhaps so it's, it's, there's lots of novels, comics. Uh, I know that yeah, the accolade, yeah. um, the, uh, Leslie Headland, uh, yep. from Russian doll, the, her show yep. is yep. set in the high Republic, in the, the high Republic time. Okay. Uh, and so I, I think that's sort of the kind of space they want to be in. So I, I don't know if the, we'll get a resolution to the pirate thing, uh, because it's a more of a long con. You know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. At least until Hondo gets his own show. Right. Hey, it's your old buddy Hondo. Oh, man. Kenobi. Okay. Well, uh, looking at a family standing nearby, Ben uh, sees the turmoil on their faces as the mother tells her son, don't worry, the path will protect us. Turning back to Roken, Ben says uh, that they will do, they being he and Leia and Tala, will do whatever they can to help. And with that, Roken tells the crowd to get ready and to leave whatever they don't need. One of the most interesting parts of this sequence was uh, a very unique looking droid. Uh, I, I, I've taken to calling this droid uh, R2 Mercury 2. because it looks like an astromech droid uh, head got slammed onto a mercury space capsule i was calling him r2 dalek (laughs) that also works i like that how long till he gets his own figure uh i don't know i bet you that would uh 3d print though i mean that would be uh oh man it could be like an overnight job Mm. or you could just put a shuttlecock uh an r2 head on a (laughs) shuttlecock that's so true uh 
I have a question about this droid, right? Because astromechs apparently are, are far older than we give them credit for. Um, they, they go from being this new model of droid to being, no, no, they're actually quite an old model of droid, uh, literally overnight. Um, this one to me has all the trappings of what I would call a scratch built droid. It does not look like something. I mean, it could be, it could be completely commercially made, but to me, it looks like something that like, this is like, you know, a nine-year-old Anakin Skywalker, uh, design grabbing stuff from the junk. Yes. It's certainly not going to fit in the, uh, droid, the, the droid socket of a, of a, <laughs> of a fighter, right? It's not designed for that. Well, and the other thing that I couldn't help but sort of postulate is that, you know, going back to those toys of the that we grew up on in the 70s and 80s, like mm. you guys remember the sock and boppers, yeah, the, the boppers. inflatable boppers, you just punch yeah. them and they, they doing stand back up Yeah, with that really wide sort of weighted looking base. I kind of wondered if maybe that was sort of the inspiration for this, but full of sand, I cut mine open. <laughs> Got also no fun. Weeble people. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, they don't fall down. All right, well, that's my little side on that droid. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, all right, we cut to uh, the bridge of the Devastator. Standing on the bridge, Vader stares into the swirling vortex of hyperspace. Reva approaches and announces that they are almost at Jabim, and Vader orders her to lock down the facility. Love this scene because it mirrors Ahsoka standing on the bridge of her star. It really does. It really, really does. The final episode of uh, Clone Wars season seven, and even the pan to turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Rex in that. I think it's is it Rex or is it? um, She's alone in that moment. Rex. Oh, she is. She is. Yeah, yeah. And it's the moment she actually feels Anakin turn. And it's yeah, so, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's so powerful. I love these uh, rhyming stanzas as George. Well, so yeah, so much of that. Thinking tactically, uh, Reva tries to explain that if they seal the criminals in now, they could hold out for days. She questions uh, if we cannot break them. But Vader is cold in his answer when he says, it is not them we need to break. All right. Back on Jabim, Lola emerges from the pocket of Leia's unattended poncho. Her eye is still glowing red from whatever tampering that Reva had affected on her. Stealthily, the little droid flies unnoticed between stacks of storage containers and into a vent shaft where she begins to scan a large bundling of wire. All right, out in the hangar, Ben approaches a wall. This wall is covered in crude inscriptions uh, on the surface, much like the ones we saw back on Mapuzo. In fact, a lot of the language that is on this wall is the same language that we saw back on that other planet. But he reads one of the inscriptions aloud, and it says, The light will fade, but is never forgotten. And you have to wonder, you know, with the... We've had, what, we had a Quinlan Voss reference uh, in that other episode? Yep. Is this Quinlan talking again? Maybe. Feels the same, what, doesn't it? What was the phrase on the other one? To to see, you must close your eyes? Yeah. Is it yeah, maybe yeah. part of a, a, a larger... A larger yeah. A larger lesson, maybe. Yeah. Isn't that the overarching theme of the whole episode, though, is the lesson, uh, the parallels of the lesson on Coruscant versus the lesson learned by the time we get to the end of the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just thematically fits. Well, when it got <laughs> when we got to this part of the episode, I could remember distinctly messaging you guys going, oh, my God, this is <laughs> going to be a, a, like a and uh, um, 
I took a stab at it and I got quite a bit of information here, which I'm going to throw up for the, the benefit of everybody else. Um, we get a lot of phrases. We get, uh, there is no death. We get, may the force be with you. And we get that, that phrase, the light will fade, but is never forgotten. And we get a bunch of names. Now, most of these names, uh, well, not all of them. There's a few new ones here, but there's a lot of them that we saw in the previous episode. And I thought we'd just kind of go through them quickly here and uh, revisit sort of the names for anybody who's just catching up with us now. So we have uh, the first one, the one I want to talk about the most, because this is the one that gets me the most excited. And it's, you know, kind of self-serving because of my my passion for the old West End games role-playing game. We get a name, Corwin Shelvey. Corwin Shelvey, of course, appeared in the 1993 uh, RPG supplement Galaxy Guide number nine, Fragments from the Rim. That is the same book that the OG, the OG Inquisitor uh, Tremaine is introduced in. So that's really cool that they've they've connected the show. The, the, the yeah, that Inquisitor uh, connection thing. I really, really love that. Yeah. Uh, Corwin Shelvey was intended to be uh, sort of an ally for the the player characters. Uh, also a foil to Tremaine. So that's kind of cool. Uh, he does go on to become part of the Rebel Alliance in like some of the other Legends material, but this was his uh, first appearance. Now we get another name here. This one's cool. This next one is uh, Drake Logan. Now Drake Logan was uh, Logan, Logan, Logan. I'm going with Logan, double A's. Definitely Logan. not Logan. No. <laughs> uh, Drake Logan was created as a supporting character for a web strip, a web comic strip called Reversal of Fortune that came out between 2003 and 2004 on StarWars.com. Now, he's the apprentice of the Athorian Jedi Master, Roran Korob. That character first appeared in the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars. Fantastic. who we saw get killed by general grievous at the end of the, the whole thing during the battle of Coruscant. by the way, the scariest on-screen version of that character ever, uh, uh grievous, I mean, was in the Tartakovsky clone war. So oh, yeah, big another cool thing. What's interesting about this character is that, uh, Logan goes on to spend much of his adult life on the run being pursued by the inquisitorious and guess who's chasing him down. Tremaine, a character introduced from the role playing game. So that's, I think that's another cool one. It's all uh, connected. It is all connected. Yeah, all is connected is written on that wall. Uh, that's true, because that was one of the pieces I did not get. Yeah, I got yeah. that one. Yeah. As he, uh, as we pan back right beside Obi's head. <laughs> the next name uh, on the list, uh, this one was on the wall before back in Mapuzo. It's uh, Roganda Ismaran. This one uh, uh, was created for the 1995 novel Children of the Jedi, uh, where Roganda was a former Jedi initiate, so a youngling, uh, who was captured by the Inquisitorius and would become a consort to the Emperor, uh, eventually going on to become one of the hands of the Emperor, which is like one step away from like marriage aid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So having her name appear on the path... Uh, makes this uh, reference to her a very strong contender for a retconning of this character. Whether or not we see her again is another story, but. All right. And then the other one we get is uh, another character that uh, would appear in uh, Children of the Jedi. This one, uh, Jin Altis or Dijin, like Din Dejarin. Mm -hmm. Dijin Altis 
Um, this character uh, appeared in the 2009 novel. His name was inscribed back on the wall on Mapuzo. Now, this character is interesting because uh, Jin Altus was a human Jedi master that led a group called the Altesians, which were an offshoot sect of the Jedi that did not adhere to the Jedi Council and yet still uh, supported the Republic. Now, uh, Master Altus ran his own Jedi Academy from a starship called uh, Chunthor. The biggest difference about an Altesian Jedi is that they were allowed to have romantic relationships and even married. Hmm. But this character has never actually been depicted in any other Star Wars media, so we don't really know what he looks like. So, yeah. Something for a future show. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Anybody read uh, Clone Wars, No Prisoners? I did not. No, I did not. No, I don't think so. But he features prominently in that one, so. Fair enough. All right. Taking his eyes off the wall, Ben's gaze falls down to a crate, and that crate appears uh, to be carefully uh, uh, filled with uh, carefully folded Jedi robes. On top of the robes sit eight, eight lightsaber hilts. Ben picks up one of the weapons and stares at it uh, soberly before he places it back in the crate. Beside that crate lays another, this one filled with more discarded ropes. Ben takes one out and stares at, uh, stares right through it as much as he stares at it. And uh, you can really, you don't get a sense of where he's at. It's like he's very much inside himself at this point of the episode. Where do you get, what do you guys make of this, uh, this point? Like, where do you think he's at? sadness but hope i mean he's he's i think he realizes that maybe more more people got out than 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 he knew uh, that's an that's an interesting one because my first impression was he went right to uh you know kind of where we started with him uh the the broken man i thought this was a reflection of you know looking at your, your lightsaber and go live a normal life or looking at your failure yeah, I mean you it's know. possible, but this—I mean, his message got out uh, clearly. It did, Jedi, yeah. It did. I got out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe not eight, maybe seven, because two of those uh, lightsabers in that shot very similar. Similar to Ophi's a, a dual wielders. <laughs> are we are we going that far to like specifically say this is who owned I, these? I, mean, I don't know. They look very, very similar. Uh, again, you'd have to. And it, it, it's it's a cartoon as well because I, I don't know that we have clear shots of her from. Uh, I don't think Attack so either. Not really. We get the we get the promo shots of her and uh, Luminara when they're doing their like the the promo the posing, but but it, it does it's hard lend, to make out, it yeah. does lend itself to the fact that we were speculating maybe is this how Grogu got out through the path? That and is that another scene one yeah. with Grogu and the uh, the five hundred and first. Uh, right. We yep. do have her. Ah, uh, that's symbol. true. That is true outside suggesting we're at her quarters. I'm just, you know, and if it's all as connected as we just talked about, it's yep. not a huge stretch. I'm really interested in, in exploring that. And I, and I think that we will have more of an opportunity. And even if we don't, we'll create a reason to go and, and drill down on this, but I, she's, a she's charged. Villain. She was, yeah, she's charged and she's imprisoned. This is the last right. time we saw her. Right. And I mean, did, did they maintain her quarters at the temple? Because, I mean, I can't imagine that they held her there. She would have been a prisoner of the Republic penal system. That's true. There was some chaos yeah. going on at the very end. But, I mean, it's hard It's hard to say. I know that she would be the perfect villain for the Ahsoka yeah. show. 
I fully agree with you on that one. Excuse me. Okay. So cutting back to the vent shaft, uh, Lola has now completed her scanning of the wires and extends some kind of welding tool. And then she flies into the bundle of wires and begins to cut. Then outside the hangar, the hemispherical doors slide shut, sealing the refugees in, preventing their escape. Uh, rushing over to Sully, Ben asks, what happened? She tells him that the hangar doors aren't responding. And at the same time, Roken pulls a comm link away from his face as he says that a Star Destroyer has just arrived in orbit. Atala surmises that Riva must have followed them, and Ben, staring unblinkingly um, at the sealed hangar door, says, it's not her, it's Vader. Sully says uh, he wants us to surrender, but Tala protests, saying that if they do, Vader will kill them all. Confusing to those who are assembled, Ben says he'll attack next. He doesn't have the patience for a siege. And uh, when Roken says, well, how do you know? We cut back to the, uh, the memory of Obi-Wan and Anakin sparring at the temple. Anakin unleashes a fury of slaver, a uh, slaver, saber strikes, driving Master Kenobi back until Anakin finally relents and then backs off himself. With some room to breathe, Obi-Wan cautions his apprentice that he grows too aggressive reminding him that a Jedi's goal is to defend life, not to take it. But Anakin just resumes his attack, and ducking under his opponent's azure blade, Obi-Wan presses himself back to back with his student. But this is the Anakin that we remember from the prequel trilogy, replete with all his impetuousness and eager to prove himself. So he body checks Obi-Wan, telling him that mercy doesn't defeat the enemy. Cobra Kai. Once again, their blades cross and locked in a test of strength. Uh, as Anakin forces Obi-Wan backwards, he asserts, that's why you're going to lose. Pushing Anakin back, they square off once again on opposite sides of the tower. The look of aggression on Anakin's face uh, is plain as day as he drives forward with his next attack. Just before we cut off here, I know we had mentioned it in take one of this. Yeah, sure. Uh, but did we, or was it one of our commenters speculated maybe this is the same hall? This where the, uh, younglings, where the were younglings were training, being training in uh, at the yeah, beginning of Order sixty six. Part one. It certainly would because uh, it looks similar. It sure does. It would, rhyme. Yeah. it would definitely rhyme. And that would be one of the first rhymes with the with the show within itself. Yeah, that didn't you know go back to something else or something forward. True. It, it could be the very same room where Yoda is teaching the younglings. As maybe well. you know when maybe one asks yeah. the question and attack the clones i never got the impression that in in that film that that was outdoors like on a on a terrace but i definitely get that here with the greenery and but at night you know yeah you wouldn't know it would be hard to it would be hard to pick out another thought too on on the lola situation oh sure with lola cutting the wires and closing the doors is that possibly lola still being a tracker but trying to help I don't think so. It's like you close the doors, you prevent any attack from above. That is well, true. Vader, but at the Vader same time, seal them, them in. Down. Yeah. I, I don't think that, uh, given what we know about the technology that within the Star Wars universe that's used to influence Lola, I don't think that's the case. You know? I mean, it Because that would take a step forward with Leia's, you know, yeah. assessment of what's going on with a droid. Right, right, right. right. Oh, you know. Maybe. Something to explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, cutting back to the Devastator, Vader, standing on the bridge, uh, stares at Jabim from high orbit. Without taking his gaze off the planet, he gives his order, launch the attack. Oh, what did I do? I did that wrong. Sorry. Uh, launch the attack. Cutting to an exterior shot of uh, Vader's Star Destroyer, the camera follows as a pair of landing boats deploy from the ship's hangar and streak towards the surface. Prepare your men for a surface attack. Yeah, exactly. Back at the hangar on Jabim, Ben addresses the crowd, saying that he understands they're all scared. He says the Empire will attack soon. They're stronger, better equipped, and if they try to fight, they won't survive. Continuing, he says, but we don't need to fight. We just need to hold them off long enough to get you all out. He asks Roken how much time that uh, he'll need to override the doors. And when Roken says that he'll need three or four hours, Ben takes a page right out of Jim Kirk's playbook and says, you have won. He also tells Roken to block every other remote access to the doors before addressing the crowd again. He tells them that together they will lock down all the other entrances to the hangar and that if they can defend their position, they will be gone before the Empire can get inside. As Ben looks around the room, Roken adds an encouraging, you heard him. Let's move it, people. Let's go. I found this really funny at the very beginning of what you were talking about here when, when Obi-Wan's telling them the gravity of the situation. But yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're better than we are. And I, I, I just started laughing, thinking, like, if it were a comedy sketch and you just kept going, like, uh, they're, they're more intelligent than we are. They're better <laughs> dressed. They have nicer uniforms. They're better shots than we are. They have a better leader. They have a, they they have have a nicer ship plan. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's funny. He's, you're not inspiring hope here, Obi. Come on, man. They have a but if we do it together, plan. if we just stick together, we'll be okay. Fantastic. <laughs> right. All right. Cutting back uh, to the high orbit view over Jabim, the two Imperial landing boats race towards the surface. Down in the hangar below, Roken and Ben go over the defensive plan while the refugees scramble to finish preparations. Now, a heavy beam is welded in place over a sliding door, while another beam is placed on a different door in a different entrance. Now, I want to touch on this for a second because I got to tell you, I, you guys hear the, the, the rumblings about the show looking cheap? Yes. Mm -hmm. I want to touch on that just for a second. Not because I think it looks cheap. I actually find it fascinating the when I can spot the reuse of set pieces. And it's never taken me out of it before until this episode when I finally went. I was confused. I didn't realize how many different open pit-like areas that this facility actually had that they were moving between. I actually felt that it was the same hangar every time. Hmm. But it's not. Yeah, right. It's at least two. Yeah, it's at least two different ones. Even though it's one round area and one hallway that we just keep redressing. Yeah, this is the first time where I actually went. What? I actually had to go back and change my notes because I thought it was the same room every time. Hmm. It took me, uh, you know, three or four different kind of like, you know, as we go over it, sort of with the the microscope to realize, oh no, this isn't the same room. Am I the only one? Uh, I, I, I probably I am. I didn't notice it. <laughs> it's okay. So it's just me this time. My only thought was, why aren't they closing the blast doors? Well, there is that. Well, they tried they, and they put, they put the beams on them, which yeah. tried to weld them in place and kind of a Robin hood type moment. Well, yeah, that's true. I love how the stormtroopers line up like they're on parade to fight. Uh, <laughs> I quite like that as well, but I yeah. mean that 
you know, even in a modern military, uh, we would call that a show of force. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. A show of force can uh, be just as effective as, as firing uh, as, the weapons. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Outside of the facility, a pair of uh, phase two purge troopers. Thank you, Hasbro. Along with uh, dozens of stormtroopers rush to get into formation. Among them is an artillery crew pushing a twin barreled cannon into position in front of the sliding door. I don't think we've ever seen that hardware before. That's yeah. new for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, is that a is that like a like a heavy repeating blaster? I'm like, no, no. It actually has like munitions. Yeah. With her troops in formation, Riva's uh, scythe shuttle swoops in, and the newly anointed Grand Inquisitor strides to the front of the column. Wasting no time, she screams at the artillery crew, "Fire!" And they empty both barrels into the hangar door. It is kind of neat to see him reload, though. You know, this, to me, is right up there with the mortar crew from uh, The Mandalorian. Mm, I really absolutely. enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. You got cool that impression that there was munitions in Solo as well. Yeah, yeah, you really do. They're We're going to talk a bit more about munitions later on in this episode, because there's another uh, uh, cool thing that comes up a little bit later on. Maybe we can, uh, we can talk about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. All right. Inside the hangar, Sully rushes to tell Roken that uh, the Imperials are using a what she calls a heavy gun doesn't say what it is. And descriptive audio doesn't tell me what it is. And I don't think we've seen it before. So uh, Tala implores Roken saying, we need to get the roof open. Fumbling with a control box, Roken tries to open it and we can hear what sounds like the spinning of gears and the groaning of like metal on metal stress. Now the group of refugees just kind of stares at the roof uh, as Roken starts, you know, come on, come on, come on. But it's no use. The doors just do not budge. Then Haja, in what might be described as a nervous outburst, uh, blurts out, that was underwhelming. While Roken, uh, trying to stay calm, answers him with, uh, I don't need your opinion. <laughs> I actually like that interaction between yeah. them. At first, I was a little bit like, what? This is so inappropriate. But then when you, when you look at the two of them together. He's dealing with it. With yeah. <laughs> he's being like really, really polite where he probably doesn't have to be. Yeah. (laughs) And you know that Aja's just nervous AF, right? Yeah. Okay. So pointing to the vent, um, Haja asks if he's tried going inside uh, to see what the problem is, but Roken sarcastically points out the obvious fact that he's too big to go inside any vents. Uh, Leia, meanwhile, who's now been watching the entire scene play out, strides forward confidently, declaring that uh, I'm going to need a ladder. Roken waves dismissively at her, saying, it's not playtime right now, princess. But Ben, who is now wearing the previously discarded Jedi robe, interjects with a firm tone reminiscent of his days as a general of the Grand Army of the Republic. He says, do as she says. You trust me? And I trust her. Get her the ladder. Yeah, awesome. I love that line. And I actually love the the assertiveness of him in that moment. Calling to uh, the princess, Ben tells her, be careful. And she nods affirmatively. Turning back to Haja, he asks him to keep an eye on her. And Haja, in a bit of a panic, blurts out, Ben, I'm not a babysitter. But at the same time, Ben's old holocom begins to chime, and he excuses himself, leaving Haja standing there with a blank look on his face, wondering what the heck just happened. 
Then, with the ladder in place, Leia climbs her way up and into the vent shaft while Roken continues to mess with this unresponsive control box. Finding a secluded corner of the facility, Ben sets the holocom down on a staircase and activates it. No surprise or uh, that it's the exact same uh, back-to-tank that he was in an episode or two ago. Yep. It's the same staircase. Just redress somewhere else. <laughs> All right. The image of Bail Organa coalesces from uh, its emitters delivering a message. I know we said no communication, but your silence worries me. If he's found you. If he's found the children, his voice trails off for a moment before continuing. If I don't hear from you soon, I'll head to Tatooine. Owen will need help with the boy. I pray you're safe, Obi-Wan. Both of you. As Bale's image fades, Ben strokes his beard pensively, and then Tala enters the chamber and sees Ben standing there alone with a somber look. She asks him, is everything all right? Nervously, Ben folds his arms and says it will be as his eyes dart about the room, momentarily avoiding hers. All right. Tala nods uh, at Ben and then moves closer and begins to tell a story. She says that uh, she was just following orders when she was on the planet Garel when the Empire ordered her to round up local civilians uh, for not paying their taxes. Locking eyes with Ben, she says, they lied. I'm just going to talk about Garel here for a second because uh, I kind of missed this the first time through. Garel was an Imperial-controlled world in the Lothal system, for any of you Star Wars Rebels fans. In fact, it was only minutes away from Lothal when traveling through hyperspace. The planet uh, made its debut in the first regular season episode of the first season of Star Wars Rebels. In uh, 2014, when the Spectre crew took a job for a Deveronian crime lord to steal a bunch of Imperial weapons from Garel City. Hmm. All right. Continuing, she says uh, there were four families, all force sensitive. She says she rounded them up, not knowing what the Inquisitors would do to them. But uh, 14 people died, including six children, and uh, Tala couldn't do anything to help them. And from her expression, Tala's remorse and guilt is very clear. Partially drawing her blaster from her holster, she says, Now I do this, as she reveals a series of hash marks that have been carved into the leather, as she says, One for everyone I get through. So, uh, from what I could make out, 13, 13 little uh, ticks mm-hmm. in, the, in the holster. Are we saying that's 13 people that she's gotten through the path? Is that what we're saying? At minimum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we believe her. Absolutely. Was or there, is it just 13 force sensitives plus however many? So I had his like, again, with it. sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake here. Was there, <laughs> Am I the only one when I say that was there a moment where you thought maybe it was one hash mark for every Imperial she killed? Maybe that whole two years undercover and and we assume that she flipped in that time. And I thought maybe, you know, she couldn't do anything to help those people then, but maybe that was her way of making up for it was by taking out these, you know, high level Imperials. And then I'm, I realize, well, it's definitely not inquisitors that she's taken out because she probably no. couldn't stand up to that. No. So, yeah, and, I mean, and the it, phrase get through is sort of, well, like, through the path, yeah, through the path. That is sort of the, the, uh, yeah, the takeaway, I guess. Okay, once again, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. 
All right. As she secures her weapon again, she says, you're right, Ben. Some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better. Again, I just, I love, you know what? Uh, if, if there's a standout character for the episode, um, it's Tala. <laughs> uh, I, I love her character. I am so disappointed that we're not going to see more of her. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, if you haven't seen it by now, I what know. are you doing? Listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just then, uh, Roken rushes into uh, in, declaring, we're in trouble. Outside the facility, the Imperials continue their assault by putting another pair of heavy artillery rounds into the door. Ben, Roken, and Tala rush to the entrance area where several refugees, now armed with blasters, have taken up firing positions. Roken, now carrying a Wookiee bowcaster, says, uh, I don't know how long it's going to last, asking Ben, uh, we got a plan B here? Ben says, uh, we're going to have to slow them down. And then he instructs Roken, tell the Inquisitor I want to talk. She started this when she kidnapped Leia. As Ben walks toward the hangar door, he says, I'll buy as much time as I can. Bocaster. That's an interesting yeah. choice. Yeah, He's a big where, dude, right? I was going to say, where did that come from? Secret stash? Uh, it's entirely possible. We'll talk about is the bowcaster a little bit more, actually. Is it specifically a Wookiee? Like, I mean, that's why we're familiar. It is a Wookiee. Uh, it is thing. a, yeah, it is a traditional, it is the traditional blaster-like weapon of the Wookiee species. And while the the general consensus is that they're all handmade, that is not 100% true because there are several commercially made uh, um, uh, bowcasters. Chewie Bowcaster is actually built on the same plot. He built, he did build, uh, build his last one was built on, uh, an Imperial E11 blaster chassis. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. 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 Um, so the big difference about the weapon, uh, is that it's actually not a, a blaster as we understand them in star Wars. In fact, the Bowcaster fires, uh, metal quarrels that are enveloped with plasma energy and the two orbs on the, uh, end of the, the throwing limbs are magnetic accelerators. So basically it's a rail gun. It's a rail. It's a handheld freaking rail gun. That's what it is. Right. <laughs> it certainly packs a bunch. Bowcasters were known to be more accurate than blasters, but they were also significantly heavier, making them unsuitable for most human beings. So, yeah, uh, the fact that Roken is uh, slinging a bowcaster, uh, that's impressive. Uh, favorite part of Force Awakens is when Han picks up Chewie's bowcaster. Let me see that for a sec. And then actually uses it. And you get the impression that it's for the like first he's never, time. Kick. Like he never fired because it before. He goes, wow. Hey, what, yeah. <laughs> what have I been messing around with this thing for? Love that moment, actually. Uh, me too. Me too. Actually, the only thing I, I didn't like about that was like, you mean to tell me in the 40 plus years of your right. friendship, you've never right. done that before? Right. Never fire another man's blaster. <laughs> Fair enough. That's an old Western tradition, though, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Piece. Keep your hands off my gu- my girl and my gun. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I get it. All right. Both force users step up to their respective sides of the door. Reva on the outside uh, turns her ear toward the door and then leans in, while Ben places a hand on the door, and the the audio cues tell us that he reaches out with the force. Mm-hmm. Is this, is this a force communication technique that we've just not seen before? Is that what's going on here? Or is he like reaching for something deeper? 
or it could be a shorter distance version of what uh, Kylo Ren and Ray shared. That uh, whole dyad thing yeah. they're talking well, across. I, you know, um, when Kylo is trying to rip the information or when any sort of force user yeah. is trying to read minds, they they gesture. So, it, I, you know, just the physical contact with the door, I think he's trying to connect with her. Uh, whether she allows it or not, I think that's what he's doing in this moment. He's trying to connect to her. So, you know, almost like a Jedi lie detector. He does, yeah. uh, uh, clearly yeah, yeah. in a few moments will, when you describe it, he does glean some information that she's not giving up for free. There's the the whole notion, and I didn't really touch on it, but it's like um, the the Perch Trooper actually goes over and says, you know, he wants they want to negotiate. So they were able to get a message through the door by a non-force uh, using uh, method. So yeah, yeah. maybe there's maybe. something more to it. Call through the frequencies on the channel. Comment coming in from Facebook. Well, he is the negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> the great negotiator. You know what's funny is that uh, that line. We're short here too. Well, that line comes up a, a couple of times over mm-hmm. the course of the canon where Kenobi's supposed to be this great negotiator. We still yeah. have yet to see that. Mm. I mean, on screen. On screen. Love yeah. the moment yeah. in Clone Wars where he, uh, with the Toydarian King, where he just delays and delays and delays yeah. and delays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. T- talking about the customs of drinking tea and until Anakin can get there and save his arse. It's, oh, it's, yeah, exactly. Love exactly. that stuff. All right. From outside the hangar, Reva says, uh, if this is you stalling for time, it won't work. Lord Vader will have you at any cost. Softly, Ben replies, you mean Anakin. Flashing back to Reva, we see a look of recognition from her. As we hear Ben continue, you knew who he was. Back on Dayu, how did you know that? Vader would have kept that hidden. And you're too young to have known him. Then Ben's eyes widen as it hits him. Unless you were there, Reva retorts, it doesn't matter where I was. Ben continues, the night of Order 66, you were a youngling. That's how you knew. Reva tells Ben to stop as he says, you saw him. As Ben recounts that Anakin had killed the others, but you somehow survived. Reva raises her voice shouting, enough! Trying to regain her composure, Reva flashes back to the temple so many years ago. Standing on one of the uh, concourses, a young Reva is frozen as Darth Vader and his clone forces march forward uh, towards her and her remaining friends. Flashing back to the present, the Grand Inquisitor wrestles with her feelings as she recalls the events of that fateful night. So, confirmation. Yeah. One by one, Vader slaughters the children until the camera tilts upwards and the shot blurs. Returning to the present... Reva composes herself and confides that she thought Anakin had come to help them that night. Back in the temple, the flash of Vader's blue lightsaber highlights the cold expression on his face as he stares down at the fearful young Reva. She tells Ben, I tried to help them, but I couldn't. I was too weak. When he left, I played dead, hid with the bodies, felt them grow cold. Back in the temple, the column of 501st clones march forward, uh, march uh, forward part of the uh, past the young Reva lying on the floor, feigning her own death. She says they were the only family I knew, and he slaughtered them. 
Her voice crackles as it trails off, and she stares blankly at the hangar door. And there it is. We get the confirmation that we had suspected right from the get-go, from the opening sequence of episode one, that in fact it is Riva. Fantastic stuff. We got a comment from Sean coming in tonight that says, uh, where's Dexter in the whole series? He should have been in the show somehow. Maybe. And by that, I think we're talking about Dexter Jetster, the diner, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the owner of the diner on Coruscant. Who knows? I mean, do you think that, you know, anybody who was connected to the Jedi during that period would have been maybe imprisoned, whether they were guilty of something or not? Interrogated to the... This is what I mean, right? Like, oh, you know, Kenobi? Get over here. Dexter was resourceful enough that, you know, let's not forget, this guy's running a diner. How yeah. is how is a guy who runs a greasy spoon connected enough to know what a cameoan saber dart is? Yeah, you know what no, I mean? Like, true. you know, he's got some connections. So he reminds me a lot of Sid, actually, from the Bad Batch. Yeah, doesn't yeah. he? Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. From behind the door, Ben says to Riva, "You're not serving him, are you?" It's more of a statement than a question, as he emphatically adds, "You're hunting him." With that, Ben changes his approach and he says, let me help you. But Riva shoots back. Why would I ever trust you? Ben replies, because we want the same thing. And Riva shouts back, do we, Obi-Wan? Lowering her voice, she asks, do you really want Anakin dead? Ben lowers his eyes as he struggles to find the words. But he doesn't have to because Riva lets it all out. Where were you while he was killing my friends? He was your Padawan. Why didn't you stop him? Why didn't you save us? Because he was busy killing Grievous. Burying her vulnerability, Riva hisses, I don't need your help. Taking her lightsaber in hand, she says, I don't need anyone. Ben, trying to reason with her, says, you won't stop him alone. But Riva is beyond reasoning, as she says, you have no idea what I've done alone. Oh, what a powerful moment here. Um, so all those things that we speculated before the, the whole Ben is the face of the order, the, like the rescue that the rescue that never came. Yeah. Yeah. We were spot on. I didn't, I I didn't see the, her hunting Vader, uh, necessarily coming, you know, like, no, I didn't either. I didn't think that uh, that he just, you know, uh, it's kind of like the, the, uh, the fallen Jedi from the uh, West End games, like it's more kind of yeah. fun to watch somebody crushed beneath your heels than to even bother killing them. I was really on to the the idea with again going back to to Ben being the face of the Jedi. You know, our order is is failed. Don't come back to Coruscant. You know, may the Force be with you. She wants revenge. Yeah, she doesn't want it against Anakin. She wants it against Ben for not showing up. You know, but, but then at the same you know time now. Yeah, knowing what we know now. Killed my family (laughs) and I will end you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole, like, you know, we want the same thing. And then her, like, do we really? Do you want him dead? Like, that's a metaphorical punch in the face. Yeah. Mm. Reva then uh, rams her crimson lightsaber through the door and in one neat sweep of the blade cuts the steel beam holding it shut in half. Take that, Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. (laughs) This is why you need those blast doors. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The refugees tighten their grip on their weapons in anticipation of what's about to happen. And then Reva throws the door open with a wave of her hand. 
Um, I snickered here and I don't know, did you guys catch this? That uh, Ned B <laughs> conveniently is armed with a E5 blaster. Nice. The E5 blaster that was the standard issue weapon of the entire droid army. Fantastic. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the E5 blaster first showed up in the Phantom Menace. It was the standard issue rifle for the droid army for the Clone War. This was carried by both uh, B1 battle droids as well as the BX series commando droids. Because this weapon uh, had a rapid fire mode, it generated a lot of heat making it uh, unsuitable for organics, but uh, that just isn't an issue when you're a droid. Mm. I just thought that's a really cool thing that they, they gave him a droid weapon. Also because of that whole limited articulation with the, the clunky fingers, I guess you need something yeah. that's easy to squeeze, I guess. Because really, the stab battle droid, they didn't have super articulation. No, no. no they basic? Didn't. Yeah, like three fingers or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. With the door wide open, Reva winds up with a long overhead chop aimed squarely at Ben, but she can't even get close as Ben uses the force to shove her back several meters through the ranks of her own troops. Well, that doesn't stop the troopers from opening fire, and Ben shouts at the refugees to fall back to second position. Holding fast with his lightsaber, Ben deflects some of the blasts while the ragtag band falls back into the tunnel network behind the hangar. It was a serious force shove too, because the first row of troopers don't get back up. No, they just kind of yeah, <laughs> either unconscious or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's making leaps and bounds with his. Uh, yeah, recovery. absolutely, absolutely. As the two forces clash, the refugees get an early lead as they drop a few stormtroopers. The more seasoned fighters like Tala, along with Ned B and Roken, hold their ground, while the others move behind them and fall back into the tunnels. By now, the stormtroopers have breached the door and begin pouring into the hangar. With the battle now uh, close quarters, Roken switches from his bowcaster to a pistol and uh, drops as many troopers as he can. But the refugees are quite literally getting overrun, and they're forced to engage hand-to-hand. Roken calls the retreat, shouting for everyone to get back, until finally it's just he and Ben left to fend off the advancing horde, and even they're forced to retreat back into the tunnel. That's a I'm, that's got to be pretty harrowing because at one point, I mean, there's the 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 shot here from uh, over Ben's shoulder looking out, and I know that that's done on the volume, but like the the ranks of stormtroopers look like they just multiplied by about four, <laughs> like it's dozens and dozens and dozens. Yeah. This episode, if anything, um, to me felt like. Uh, some of those early role-playing game sessions that I played in where it was like stormtroopers were this never ending supply of bad guys that just kept coming and kept coming and kept mm-hmm. coming. Another ship drop. That's what I mean. And that's, that's what this felt like. I felt that the stakes were really, really high in this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing though. Yeah. Yeah. Falling back into the hallway. It's weird that they didn't take that because like in the movie 300, right? Yeah. You bottleneck them and their numbers count for nothing. Yeah, because they're they're choked. It's a choke point. Yeah, yeah. There, I kind of thought about that too. But then it's, again, we're talking about civilian refugees and yeah. not hardened fighters. Yeah. All right, back. Uh, so Riva drives her troops forward while back at the hangar. Haja has a concerned look because he can hear the advancing blaster fire. He shouts out to Leia that she has to hurry. 
When she doesn't immediately answer, he nervously says, are, are you listening to me? I feel like you're not listening to me. From her perch inside the vent shaft, Leia frustratingly throws up her hands and says, would you stop talking? As she concentrates on the massive wiring in front of her, Haja tells her, uh, he said it was a red breaker. And Leia fires back, I know what he said. Meanwhile, the armed refugees and members of the path continue to flee down the tunnel while the stormtroopers rush after them. Tala, Ned B, and other members of the path lay down covering fire for the retreat while Ben stops to help an injured refugee. And despite their efforts, more troops just keep pouring in. As Reva rounds a corner, she shouts at her troops, Seal them in! Just then, one of the refugees is hit in the gut, and uh, Ben and Tala notice, but she's too busy returning fire to be able to do anything about it. Ned B, following Tala's lead, continues to fire back, giving Ben just enough cover that he's able to help the wounded woman. As the troopers close, Tala grabs one by the helmet. She kind of likes that move, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grabs one by the helmet, throwing them to the ground, while Ned B slams another into the ceiling and then throws a third trooper back several meters into the tunnel. But still, the troopers search forward. Tala, who's now exposed in the middle of the tunnel, takes a blast to the abdomen. Seeing her fall, Ben calls her name as he reignites his lightsaber and tries to get back to her. Reva, now close to the front of her advancing horde, shouts, Wipe them out! as they press forward. Ned B takes several blasts in the chest all at once, causing him to spin on his heels while several stormtroopers make it past him. They ignore Tala, who's now writhing on the floor as they advance on Ben. Fighting off the stormtroopers, Ben continues to call out to Tala. Ned B then lumbers over and crouches down over her, shielding Tala with his own body. He takes several more rounds to the back as Tala watches sadly as her friend's eyes fade to black and his body goes inert. Pulling her hand away from her wound, she sees that it's covered in blood. Now, openly crying, she looks back to Ben, who's been driven back behind an adjoining doorway. Yelling to Ben, go! She pulls out a thermal detonator, and she thumbs it to on. Dispatching the last of the troopers and driving him back, Ben shouts, no! As he tries to get back to Tala, but she uses her pistol to blast the door controls and the doors begin to slide shut in a last gesture of hope tala says may the force be with you as the doors seal in front of a helpless ben now close enough to see the raised thermal detonator reva shouts at her troops get back as she turns to run then tala closes her eyes and hits the activation stud detonating her explosive device anybody else have a hard time with this uh, sequence uh, yeah, 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 very powerful. I did. Um, yeah, like you're just getting to like her, and now they're taking her away. That's what I mean. Like she, yeah. she's been a high point, uh, a high point of the series for me. Um, even even Ned B's death uh, reminded me of K 2s death. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and uh, also sort of lending the idea that that that. Uh, droids are almost pet-like or dog-like, like they, like you know. And I don't mean that in yep. any negative way. Like, no. like super loyal to their to their master, and, like a family uh, member, like like a family member, but just you know, just this side of human kind of thing. Like, the well, way let's we feel about animals. Let's talk about Some that a little bit more because 
um, if we go back to solo, we actually we actually get exposed to a whole other relationship between organics and droids when it's heavily implied that L3 and Lando were in a romantic relationship. Right. So that wasn't lost on me in this scene because they lock eyes and she looks like she's lost a, a, like someone she cares deeply about. This is more than just a load lifting droid. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there was a sort of a, uh, you know, she's a she tremendous actress. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. Indira Varma, uh, Indira Varma in this is actually a, she's freaking fantastic. Yeah. She's um, outstanding. Uh, and I hope that, man, I hope that this gets her more work in anything because she's just a treat to watch. Well, they could spin this off. Well, you know, yeah, those 13 so. marks, let's give her a 13 episode show. Of how she got them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Episode, yeah, yeah. She's just smuggling somebody else. She was a highlight in uh, Game of Thrones. I would love to see her maybe. I mean, this is me just sort of thinking it, uh, thinking it through sort of in the moment. Um, could she turn up an Andor? Maybe. She could turn up an Andor. Yeah, I want to. I want to throw something out there for uh, for the Clone Wars fans, and I know that we don't spend a lot of time with this character, so it, you know there. It may or may not be. I, I might just be reading into things, but do you think that there were any romantic feelings between her and Ben? Maybe developing. I kind of thought mm-hmm. that you know, there's that. You know, I think people would say, you know, when you know, you know. Right, like, oh, they didn't spend enough time together to, to to develop those feelings. But it's like, given Ben's history with uh, with Satine, that he we already know that he had a a romantic relationship at one time, and we know that his life has taken such a drastic turn, you know, and and attachments and all those things, and now he's this like broken guy who's kind of coming back to life. And it's like, wouldn't it just be like part of the full package if to to make the man whole again is to give him love? true love hmm. you know to fill that not to replace satine but to fill the hole yeah um it's not a bad thought but i i think he's too uh invested in the problem at hand uh, i do too and and probably realizes that he's too broken to ever be that for anyone yeah 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 we're going to talk about attachments uh quite a bit in uh in our next episode because i think that really is prevalent in the the finale facebook user says no (laughs) (laughs) no just a straight up no okay i I, I, I can accept that i know that girl (laughs) i can accept that all right um i think i'm out of order here oh maybe i'm not we're working on it 48 there you go 48 and i want to yeah that's where i want to be okay when the flash from the explosion fades oh by the way um, for those of you paying attention, we've talked about sort of, and we're not filmmakers. I'm not a filmmaker. Andy, to the, my knowledge, you're not a filmmaker, are you? Obviest. Okay. Well, um, the way that the film is cut or the film, the way that the show has been edited and the way it's been filmed and cut, uh, this is the first episode that uses another transition other than a cut. And it's in this sequence and it is a fade when the flash, uh, of the thermal detonator uh, fades that we've now transitioned to it's, another. It's funny since we've been focusing on that a little bit as we've talked about it in each episode. I never noticed smash cuts in yeah. A New Hope or any of the original trilogy before. Sure, and there are tons um, of them. Oh, really? Yeah, there's tons of smash cuts as well as fades transitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another comment, uh, Facebook comment. So much I want to say about that. 
Uh, <laughs> is that the the romance thing? Is that what we're saying? Is that yeah. the that we're referring to? Yeah, she has a crush on you, McGregor. <laughs> oh, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I'd love to have that conversation. All right. When the flash from the explosion fades, Roken and Ben, along with a few others, stagger out of the tunnel into the hangar. Ben takes a knee, visibly reeling from Tala's sacrifice as a pair of heavy doors uh, slide shut behind him. Um. And that's where I wanted to talk about the romantic thing, but we've already talked about that. Turning to uh, Haja, Roken says, please tell me we're close. Haja calls out to Leia, still inside the vent shaft, and we can hear her little voice from afar say, working on it. As Haja relays the message, Ben catches his breath and climbs back to his feet. Back on board the Devastator, the ship's captain informs Darth Vader that the Grand Inquisitor has breached the wall, and they will have him soon. Turning his head slightly, Vader instructs the captain to inform Reva that she is to stand down. When the captain gives an affirmative, my lord, Vader continues, Kenobi is already ours. Cutting back to the temple on Coruscant, the duel between Master and Apprentice continues, and Anakin presses Obi-Wan back to the edge of the balcony atop the temple spire. With their blades locked again, Anakin declares, there's no way out, Master. But Ben isn't done yet, and he throws Anakin's blade back in an upward shove. But it's to little avail, as Anakin is right back on top of him, unleashing a series of downward slashes. And Obi-Wan is brought to his knees. Looking down at his master, Anakin demands, admit you are beaten. This sequence, this part of the duel, um, I want to talk about the uh, the, the rhyming stanza. Uh, and I mean, it, you could look at it one of two ways or both ways simultaneously. This is so evocative of Vader taking Luke's hand or inversely Luke taking Vader's hand mm-hmm. in, in Jedi. Like that these like repeated just... They're almost like, it's almost like a guy chopping wood. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it does not look like sword technique as much as it just looks like, like hacking. It's hard to swing a sword that fast that many times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Back on Jabim, Roken asks Ben, what's wrong? Ben tells him it's over. Adding, I'm going back. Roken grasping Ben's arm says, you can't quit. I fought for too long. You can't just throw that away. Roken tells Ben, it won't make a difference because the Empire wants all of them. But Ben cuts him off sharply, saying, Vader wants me. Angrily, Roken tells Ben that if he surrenders, then Tala will have died for nothing, that Vader will keep coming. But Ben shoots back, that's why I have to stop him. Incredulously, Haja remarks, you're going to fight him? Waving his hand at the refugees, Ben says, he expects me to surrender. He knows that I'll do everything I can to protect these people. Haja says, you'll be on your own. But Ben says, no, as he steps closer, handing Haja his lightsaber, his blaster, and holocom. He implores Haja to look after Leia. Then, as he starts to walk away, Roken asks him, do you want to tell me how you're going to fight without a weapon? Looking at him squarely, Ben gives us the perfect uh, uh, iteration of the legacy line when he says, there are other ways to fight. <laughs> Which, of course, is a variation of, there are alternatives to fighting. So cool. It's like a chess match where yeah, uh, both of them kind of know the next move that's coming. 
Well, it's funny that you say that. I mean, again, the the parallel to the 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 sword fight on Coruscant versus what's going to happen or what is happening is this, you know, there's a lesson to be learned here. And and the bigger question is, did he, they, them, she learn the lesson and to what depth? So this is just uh, that playing out. Yeah. Back in the tunnel, Imperial troops are collecting their dead. When the sliding doors unseal, Ben uh, enters and two stormtroopers take him into custody. Meanwhile, inside the vent shaft, Leia works steadfastly at sorting the wires to open the overhead doors, unaware that Lola is still hiding there just out of sight. Outside the hangar, Ben is delivered to the Grand Inquisitor. At uh, just the sight of him, the dozen or so troopers surrounding Riva all level their weapons at him. Nobody even speaks a word. They just see who it is and they all like no word is spoken. Like, what does that tell you about the, the threat level? Yeah. Your reputation <laughs> besieges you. Taking in her prize, she bows slightly as she commands her troops to inform Lord, uh, Lord Vader Kenobi is ours. The stormtrooper escorts shove Ben to his knees as Reva tells him Vader is on his way adding you're going to die soon but ben is unfazed at the words and he sh- and he stares directly at reva and says you're not bringing me to him i'm bringing him to you at that the smirk on reva's face fades as she takes in what ben just said unblinking he adds this isn't over yet reva steps closer while ben tells her that there are families with children in the hangar And he asks her, are you going to let him do it again? What he did to you? Pausing for a moment, he says, we could end this together. Eyeing the troops surrounding them, Reva lowers her voice, asking, what makes you think he won't see it coming? And Ben answers simply, because all he'll see is me. Reva steps back and gestures for the two stormtroopers to take Ben back into the tunnel. And this is that, you know, I thought, okay, this is uh, our redemption moment. This is, uh, you know, he's, he's making his play. He's trying to redeem her. And uh, I mean, she even kind of supports that with, you know, she gets really quiet, presumably. So her own troops don't hear the sedition that she's contemplating. Yeah. But uh, that's not to happen. (laughs) But at the same time, when Vader, he says, we already have him. Yep. Is that him? perceiving the future like just a short time ahead it very much could be that uh his own insights and that again there is another deeper cut into the lesson did he learn the lesson that's i i think that for me i don't want to spoil the end but i think that's him misunderstanding the lesson yeah maybe Right, right there yeah Cutting back to the uh, <clears throat> to the duel at the Jedi Temple, Master Obi-Wan struggles underneath the pressure of Anakin's uh, blade lock. But then Anakin pulls back to unleash another flurry of blows, and Obi-Wan spots a hole in his assault and rolls out from under the attack, quickly getting back to his feet. But Anakin is relentless and turns to meet him, driving Obi-Wan back towards the center of the terrace. Blocking a quick succession of overhead swings, Obi-Wan dodges a massive horizontal slash, leaving both men at a pause as they each try to maintain their balance. 
And it's Anakin that's right back in it with a flurry of alternating high and low strikes, causing Ben to overextend his defense until finally Anakin knocks the lightsaber from his hand. Proud of himself, he relents, and a broad smile creeps across his face as he remarks, There, your weapon's gone. He nods as he tells his master, It's over. And while the duel may be over, the lesson isn't, as Ben, still on his knees, says, Your need for victory, Anakin. It blinds you. With that, Anakin looks down at his mentor, confused. Back on Jabim, Darth Vader strides through the ranks of stormtroopers as he approaches the entrance to the PATH facility. Strides is putting it lightly. Well, yeah, he's walking with purpose. Well, yeah. there, there's this whole thing with Vader throughout this uh, this entire series, and uh, you know, my hats off to the to the actors who are in the suit. Um, we've never seen a more physical Vader. We've never seen a more menacing Vader in Vader. his. Oh my God! Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Not one for pleasantries. Vader says, "Where is he?" When Reva tells him that uh, she has Obi-Wan secured inside, Vader says, I'll bring him in myself. On the other side of the doors, uh, shadows on the wall reveal a struggle with someone getting shot. We see the blaster get tossed into frame as Ben rounds the corner, uh, no longer wearing binders, and runs down the hallway. <laughs> Back in the vent shaft, Leia still struggling to find the problem with the ma- uh, still struggling with the problem of finding uh, finding in the mass of wires. Seeing the red lights behind them, she digs at the wiring until finally uncovering the problem as she exclaimed, there it is. With her hiding spot compromised, Lola flies out and attacks Leia. Getting a hold of the little droid, the princess rolls her over in her hands, revealing a tiny little restraining bolt on the underside of one of Lola's wings. Tearing the device free, Lola's eyes revert back to their normal blue color and she immediately ceases her attack. Yeah, so there we go. Um, restraining bolt. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was wondering, you know, how the how did they plant a tracker? Um, you know, Lola's a tracker. Stick a restraining bolt on her, and now she's our droid. Yeah. Vader marches into the facility alone. The bodies of fallen stormtroopers litter the ground as he passes. Reva watches pensively as the Dark Lord lumbers out of sight. Back in the vent shaft, Leia and the newly restored Lola work to undo what the little droid had done. Using Lola like a flashlight, the princess finally finds the right cable, and Lola gives an affirmative chirp. Picking up a tool, Leia plugs plugs it into one of the red breakers, and the lights blink on as we hear what sounds like a, a power connection being restored. In the hangar, everyone watches as the hatchway begins to slide open. Sully orders everyone to hurry aboard the waiting transport, just as Ben comes dashing into the bay. Roken tells him uh, everything is set. Then Ben rushes to Leia, and the two share a big hug. He tells her, well done. But the princess knows that something is amiss and asks, where's Tala? And when Ben touches her softly and shakes his head, Leia knows that she'll never see her again. Roken tells the refugees to grab what they can, and everyone rushes to board the ship. Haja, in his haste to get aboard, accidentally drops a few items, including Ben's holocom. But thinking it's nothing, he doesn't turn back for the discarded items. And with no time to mourn, Ben ushers Leia, saying, Come on, we have to get to the transport. 
Um, I know it's convenient. It's, it moves the plot forward, but like he actually looked behind him. He knew they dropped something. Yeah. He just didn't care. Probably no time to keep going. You I know, like. guess. I mean, he is a con man, right? And I mean, ultimately, what is every con man? Self-preservation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking out for his own skin. Which, coincidentally, I, I think that he his trajectory is going to change in the future yes. as well. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, Vader continues to wade through the bodies strewn about the tunnel. Waving a hand, he throws a door, uh, the door to the hangar open just in time to see the transport lifting off. And in a display of force ability that we haven't seen before or since the Force Unleashed video game, Vader raises his hand, stopping the ship dead in its tracks. Stepping out into the hangar, he holds the transport in place, and it shudders mid-air as the engines begin to sputter. Then Vader slams it to the ground. Continuing his rage display, the Dark Lord of the Sith rips out the side of the ship's hull, expecting to find Ben and the rest, rest of the refugees. But instead, all he finds are empty jump seats. As he ripped the side off, I just, I literally said, holy shit. Uh, I was like, Whoa. how do you not react to that? Um, how do you top Rogue One? Well, that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that way. <laughs> there's been lots of, lots of talk about uh, Starkiller and uh, the Force Unleashed. And uh, the other thing, the, the lightsaber thing, I, I'd seen one other outlet refer to the, the twin sabers as potentially being Starkiller's sabers, mm -hmm. and that might be a confirmation that, you know, this character might exist. No, I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't buy it either. <laughs> I don't buy that either. Given, given uh, you know, what the Force Unleashed set out to be, that it was meant to be like this crazy one-off, or in this case, two-off right. uh, game where you just got to do cool shit with the Force. That was their mantra on making the video game. What's our mantra? Do cool shit, crazy cool shit with the Force. And I, I've heard a lot of people um, just hacking on it, going, oh, he stole, he stole that from the Force. And I'm like, it, how can you steal from your own property, first of all? Yeah. And if, if you want to get right into the sort of meta-ness of it, yep. who yep. taught Galen Merrick to do that? Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, if anybody was going to do that, Vader is the guy to do right. it. Like, we, we've honestly. seen Mace Window do it. Well, we've seen Mace Window do it. Mace Window works, by the way. It does. In the, uh, in the, the uh, Clo uh, Clone Wars 2D. Um, yep. uh, I mean, we've seen Ray and, and uh, Kylo, Kylo you know, almost do it. And in fact, they might have pulled it off had they not been fighting one another for the ability to do it. Um, We've seen some pretty extreme. Half. What yeah. did we see before? We saw Vader crush one of his own uh, medical droids. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he really. Crush if him. you watch that scene, he he like, uh, like, uh, yeah. Goku's the whole room. Like he just yeah, in a yeah, circ, yeah. In a, like an orb of the Force, he just crushes yeah. everything yeah. in that sphere. If you were the Emperor in that moment, are you uh, sitting there doing your good, or are you like, holy shit? No, you're you're good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. there's the very first like Vader comic is like the moment after that. Oh wow! Okay, and and Vader tries to kill him in the moment. In the moment, he tries wow, to kill that's him. That's cool. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he gets his arse handed to him by the Palpatine. Actually, <laughs> spanks him like a child. Yeah. Well, outside the uh, still intact uh, port side viewport, Vader watches. 
as a second transport, which was there the whole time, by the way. It was on the ground when they landed. Yeah, it was. A second transport leaps into the air and blasts off in a clean getaway. So apparently it took enough out of him to do it the first time that he couldn't just repeat. He couldn't just grab with the other hand. Yeah. Uh, maybe. You know what, though? I, I, I came up, you know, as I was watching this week's episode, and I guess you could talk about it now, like some of, and again, this is not to talk about the detractors or the complaints, but it's like the, the literary plot devices. These are old literary devices about why certain characters are able to do things and other characters cannot, particularly who can survive. You, you sympathize for the heroes. That's why the heroes don't come back from near death. When they die, they die. The mm-hmm. villains coming back just make them more tragic. Right. Anyway, of course he couldn't do it. Because if he could do it, the show would be over. True. <laughs> All right, back at the Jedi Temple, the training match continues as Obi-Wan, in an unexpected move, takes a page out of the Cobra Kai playbook and tries to sweep the leg. But Anakin expertly drops back, avoiding the attack altogether. As Anakin renews his assault, Obi-Wan doesn't falter and tries to block the attack with his bare hand. Or so we, along with Anakin, are meant to believe. Because instead, Master Kenobi gently deflects Anakin's arm, altering the trajectory of his swing, sending him wide. Obi-Wan continues with a spinning elbow strike right between Anakin's shoulder blades, knocking his apprentice off balance and sending him staggering forward. Before Anakin can recover, Obi-Wan uses the Force to disarm his Padawan, and Anakin is left standing there in disappointment. With the lesson now complete, Master Obi-Wan commends his student, calling him a great warrior, but he also cautions that your need to prove yourself will be your undoing. Deactivating Anakin's lightsaber, he hands it back, saying, Until you overcome it, a Padawan you will still be. Anakin is humbled. And Obi-Wan smiles as he clasps him on the shoulder and the two men walk away. Mm. All right. What do we think, guys? What do you think of the uh, this the duel? Fantastic. No. I, I, I had said this to Lauren, and I, I, I got to, maybe I got to do the voice too. Little baby Vader. <laughs> Little baby Vader. He's so cute. He's so cute. He's, he's still Anakin Skywalker in that moment. Yeah. He's he really still is. a child. He's a he's a ten year old boy about to do a pod race. He hasn't learned a damn thing. And Obi Wan schools him in the in you know uh, I man he 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 tunes him without touching him. He, I like the way know. that uh, at the end of it, the way that uh, you know in the I don't know if it's a if it's a chastising. I guess it's a bit of a chastising. Kind of dresses him down, but at the same time, does it with a smile on his face, like. But it's going to be okay, right? You know, because he still believes in him. Yeah, <laughs> but he didn't. He did. He he learned zero. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. This is what I really think more on the loss. I really understood that this was, uh, you know, there's times throughout the episode where they appear to sort of share the lesson, but yeah. this is really Anakin's lesson. This is this oh, is yeah. Darth Vader remembering this, absolutely, and, and going, oh, you beat me again. Yeah, I mean, if there was any confusion up uh, when you're watching the episode for the first time or or up until now, you really do get, oh, this really is Vader's memories. This isn't right. from, I right. mean, Obi-Wan could have had some sort of, you know, we've had that Force connection all along, but 
you know, this is Anakin purely remembering. Yeah. Oh yeah, you think uh, you think you schooled me? Haha. <laughs> well, have I got something for you? Absolutely. Can we talk about the uh, the Yoda esque ness in that line? Until you overcome it, a Padawan, you will still be. Yeah, that's it's probably a nod to that. Like, whenever, is that whenever you say is, anything profound? Got to kind of yeah, say it yeah, backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so. So here's what here's a, again. I mean, I like to do things in questions because I think it's more of an interesting, uh, interesting way to to suss this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Is this just a simple tactic, a simple way to have the presence of Yoda felt in the series, or is this something deeper? Like perhaps this isn't this isn't Obi Wan speaking in a Yodaism. This is Obi Wan repeating a line that's been spoken directly to him. Could be. Probably. I mean, that, that seems, that seems highly likely. It also is sort of indicative of the way we see masters speak. And since master Yoda is like the preeminent thing, it's, yeah. I think it sort of channels the idea that Obi-Wan is way up here and Anakin is like barely in the frame. To me, this was a, this was a reflection on Obi-Wan's part. I mean, uh, you know, I think we can all agree to some, to some degree that, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi that we meet in the Phantom Menace is not the Obi-Wan Kenobi that we leave it at the end of Revenge of the Sith. No, certainly. The young, impetuous, and and he's been characterized as being such this young, impetuous, brash student. So was I, if you'll remember. Exactly. Like that that Obi-Wan and Anakin were almost, you know, kind of cut from similar cloth. Yeah. I get Obi-Wan was also yeah. taken into the order later, too. He wasn't he was later in life. Infant. Right. Oh, he was, okay. He was uh, old enough to remember his brother and his mother, as he said. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think I had a brother. Yeah, he was. Uh, they they mention it in the old uh, Republic comics that he yeah. was. You know, like typically you are identified right after birth. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, turning to face Riva, Vader says he was wise to use you against me. Riva is less than talkative as she screams in rage. Trying to overcome the Dark Lord's grip on her, which he releases in a sudden push that shoves her back several feet. Riva slides the distance on her feet, and when she finally stops, she attacks again. And this entire sequence serves to show both Riva and us as the audience just how beneath him she really is. Mm. With a series of dodges and precisely controlled force pushes, Pulls and blocks, Vader stops every saber swing leveled at him. He doesn't even attempt to draw his own weapon. To him, she is just that insignificant. Even activating the other half of her lightsaber doesn't surprise him. Instead, Vader just steps out of the way of the spinning blades and shoves her back with another force push. Holding out her weapon in front of her, the blades begin to spin. And Riva tries to press forward, but not only does Vader hold her in place, he walks towards Riva, causing her to slide backwards. On top of that, Vader is so in control that he can split his focus between pushing her back and stopping her lightsaber from spinning altogether. And the desperation on Riva's face begins to show at this point. He then commands the weapon to his hand, where he separates it into two blades. Vader deactivates one of the blades before throwing it at Riva's feet. Wearily, Riva picks it up, but her anger drives her on, and she attacks again. 
The contrast between the two combatants is stark as Riva uses a series of acrobatic spins and flips to maneuver around Vader while he stands virtually still, only turning in place to face her. I halfway thought when he picked up both, like when he had both, that he was going to do a wield on her. We were about to see a repeat of Dooku. Oh, yeah. off with yeah. the head. I thought yeah. so too. Interesting. I feel like there, you know, the, this whole man, the, the rhyming stanza. And again, another incident or instance of the show rhyming with itself is, you know, we see uh, um, in Riva, this is the impetuousness of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And in this, I- Go ahead. Vader Sorry. Vader is the master in this case. Right. Yeah. So how much of him not understanding the lesson is he trying to overcome by letting her? Yeah. You know, he just lost in his mind. He just lost to his master. That's not about to happen right now. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, each of them uh, expertly attacks and counterattacks and neither of them land a blow. Vader force pushes Riva back and then hurls uh, his half of her lightsaber back at her. She manages to deflect the blade as she twirls herself toward Vader like a spinning dervish. With nothing more than a hand gesture, Vader halts her in her tracks. Then, with a kick to her shin, Riva is knocked off balance and he plucks the remaining half of the weapon right out of her hand. It appears that Vader really did learn that lesson back on the temple. Then, using the force, he summons the other half of her lightsaber. With both halves of her weapon, Vader slowly walks towards her and there's nothing Riva can do to prevent what's about to happen. To further dive in on Riva taking up the Anakin position right now. Yeah. This is really similar when Obi-Wan yelled at Anakin in Attack of the Clones, wait, we'll go together. Yeah, I'm going to take him now. And he didn't go together. And, and look resulted, what happened. Yeah. yeah. Hence the uh, first limb loss of Stone. She might have yeah. even got a hit in if she hadn't screamed and charged. Well, <sighs> Like if she had just run him through like she did with the Inquisitor, she might have she might have done a little damage. <laughs> if she just had it, yeah, like right but in the her back. Her passion was even, too much. Yeah, big time. She's overcome. Disarmed and helpless, Riva stares fearfully as Vader approaches her. And in her mind, the fateful night of Order 66 happens all oh, no. Yeah, she is run through with her own weapon. I hope everybody heard that before we cut out there. All right. Laying there, mortally injured, Riva stares up at Vader, who says, Did you really believe I did not see it, youngling? And just then, like a phoenix from the ashes, the former Powan Temple guardian turned Inquisitor strides into the hangar, escorted by several stormtroopers. See, this is why I thought maybe when he said we already have Kenobi, he's already oh, close to the future. Oh. Like, how much of it did he actually see coming? I don't know. Looking down at her, he says, revenge does wonders for the will to live, don't you think? And kneeling down beside her, he tells her that her rage was useful. Then, plucking the badge of office from her uniform, he continues, but now it is tiresome. As he gets up to leave, he tells her, we will leave you where we found you, in the gutter where you belong. Returning to Vader's side, he bids her a goodbye, condescendingly calling her Grand Inquisitor, Mm -hmm. as he replaces the badge of office on his own uniform. And then he and Vader, along with the rest of the Imperial forces, leave her to her own devices. Grand Inquisitor, he's back. We knew he was coming back. Oh, yeah. Also, that is the live-action design, folks. Get used to it. 
Love it. It's it's absolutely fine. It's wonderful. Is this Anakin missing another lesson, though? In what sense? Well, the last time he was in a situation like this, Obi-Wan left him for dead. Mm, Possibly. Possibly. I want to talk about just for a quick second here. I want to address the thing. Uh, it came up earlier about uh, Rupert friend, not taking in any of Jason Isaac's performance. And people were like really critical of like, what, why wouldn't you do that? Um, because directors folks, that's why <laughs> actors are there to give the directors the performance that the directors want. That's why. So it's totally okay. All right. High above Jabim, the overcrowded freighter speeds away from the planet. Inside, the passengers jostle as the ship shudders, and we can hear the sound of one of the ship's systems cut out. (laughs) Roken enters the cabin and sits next to Ben. Very quietly, he tells Ben that the hyperdrive is down and that Vader's Star Destroyer is behind them. Back in the hangar, still clinging to life, Reva drags herself across the floor to where her lightsaber lays. Recovering her weapon, she sees something else, and she lifts her head to get a better look. A light flickers from Ben's holocom, left broken and partially buried in the dirt. Meanwhile, on the transport, Ben stares off distractedly. Roken tries to get his attention. Kenobi, are you listening to me? Ben replies, something's wrong. At the same time, Reva has managed to drag herself over to the holocom. She picks it up gently, holding the delicate pieces together, and the distorted message from Bail Organa springs forth. Unfortunately, the part about discovering the children and heading to Tatooine because Owen will need help with the boy remains fully intact. On the freighter, Roken stares at Ben and asks, What is it? Ben shoots Leia a troubled look, and when Roken asks him if he's okay, Ben says, I'm sure it's nothing. Thank you, Roken. But Ben's eyes shift forebodingly, and we know that he's anything okay. Uh, He's anything but okay, because we cut to a rocky outcropping on Tatooine. And as the camera rises, we see the familiar layout of the Lars Moisture Farm at dusk. Cutting to a bedroom, the camera closes in on a peacefully sleeping Luke Skywalker. And then we cut to black. And the episode ends. In that final moment, and I, I mean, I know it's it's Wednesday. We're, we're well ahead of ourselves. Um, when you guys watch this, did you think that uh, she was going to use that information to try and buy her way back in? To gain favor and be ba- and get back into good graces? Honestly, I don't know what she thought she was going to do with it. Kill him or turn him in. I think those yeah. are the only two choices. Kill him and or turn him in. And I, I think, honestly think turn him in was the the, the number one choice. Uh, I think kill him for her is more like I couldn't take Vader, but I can take this from Vader. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it, uh, he killed children, so so can I. Right. Almost like we talked about this before uh, that, you know, the, the, the media or the marketing for the series uh, told us that uh, Ben and Vader were going to meet uh, twice. And that's true uh, within the context of the series. They do. They meet twice. Right. You could say three times, but one of those is a memory. So if we don't count mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. and part of that was we theorized or, or postulated that Ben was going to let go. And that when that happened, um, he would be truly free. Um, 
is there something like that going on here with her? Like that wrestling with being able to let go? Maybe. I mean, wait, you know, when that, what's that, the Nietzsche saying, uh, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. Yeah. Uh, yeah I yeah. think she, she, she might not realize how far she's gone or, or, or what that means at this point, if she could even conceive of coming back at this point, she's still out for blood. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think so as well. She is still uh, uh, very, dri- very much driven uh, by her own rage that, that she is the, uh, the parable or the, the, the inverse or the, the reflection of Anakin mm-hmm. at this point. Well, like the Inquisitor said, you know, the desire for revenge makes your will to live. The will to live, yeah. It's almost, so a, it's almost a lesson he's telling her there. So. Isn't it, though, really? Yeah, yeah. Be interesting to see what happened to him, where he's been since Dayu. Did the Empire actually pick him up and nurse him back to health, or was well, he on his own? Or, know, how long has Vader known this whole, like, is is he chilling in a back yeah, tank yeah, while yeah. Vader's playing her? Going, here's the, here you go, Grand Inquisitor. Is this, you know, a reflection of Vader's master, you know, like the line from Palpatine, because I have foreseen it. Mm. You know, how much has he foreseen? Well, exactly. Because if he knows, he's already got Kenobi. Yeah. And he knows she's going to betray him. What'd you guys, where'd you guys place this episode? This was uh, part five of a six part limited series uh, on the, on the scale of, uh, of Jar Jar to uh, uh, Eula Keldroma. Where are we at? Ooh, we're, we're Eula Keldroma <laughs> and some there. Yeah. Oh, you know, right. having seen the finale, I still think we're going to Dagobah. We're going to get Yoda. <laughs> and uh, man, I was super wrong about that one. Uh, you know what? It's totally okay, though. I mean, that's part of the fun of of, uh, of doing it the way that we do here. Is, yeah, uh, it's more constructive than like uh, Ned B was. So. All right. Well, I think we're, uh, uh, I don't know if we're cutting in or out here. Can you still hear me? I can. Okay, good. I think we just had a small glitch there. Before this glitches out on us anymore, I just want to say, uh, for those of you who uh, tuned in to our last attempt at doing this, thank you very much for uh, wanting to come back and, and uh, visit us once again to sit through this because uh, uh, it's very graceful of you. <laughs> it's Wednesday. We just had the finale today. Um, if you're watching this in real time, not going to talk a lot about that because I want to save that for a regular time slot on uh, this Sunday, which I hope you will come back and visit us Sunday night on our regular time. That's going to be 6 p.m. Eastern time where we uh, wax poetic on part six of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the limited series now streaming in its entirety on Disney plus where we will uh, break that episode down for you beat by beat the way that we do every episode here. And uh, we'll have some final thoughts for you on the entire series on uh, what may come next, uh, what we might like, what we want to see next. We'll talk about maybe some things that, uh, you know, we didn't get to see that we would have liked to, and uh, we'll talk about what's coming up uh, for the future of our little show here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anything you guys want to close out on before we say goodbye. No, I think, th- I think that was very concise, sir. The last yeah. time we did it, we got cut. We did get cut. We got cut. It's, Big time we true. got cut. <laughs> so uh, just for posterity's sake. Do we have a photo? Uh, do we want to run that? To... It's going to get cut. Is it going to get cut? It got cut within minutes of running it. Oh, boo. Yeah, Facebook shut it down. Yeah. Uh, so day. our very own Hank, uh, um, if you weren't aware, is a uh, is a rapper. And uh, man, you've been rapping for like how many years now? Uh, I'll go date myself. Probably <laughs> 35 or something like that. So recently you got to do a, a, an outdoor show. 
Yeah. Um, uh, where you live in Halifax. Yeah. And uh, it was well received. So if you if you guys head over to uh, Hank, tell them where they can find you. What's your personal Instagram where they can see you? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, the Hank Solo at Instagram. I'm uh, Hank Solo on Facebook. Um, HankSolo.bandcamp. Or or you can find all the music at VileGroove.com. And in and, the most uh, surreal m- moment of my entire life, actually, uh, I was in the mall buying my PS5 today. And a girl walked up to me and said, are you Hank Solo? I saw oh, nice. you perform on Saturday, and I went, "Oh my God, that's crazy!" <laughs> Hall of Famous. We'll put those links in the description of this video when uh, when it goes up, and we can get in and, and uh, alter that. But uh, awesome. yeah, man, this was a good one. Um, the next one, it is the uh, exciting conclusion to uh, not only our little show but uh, to Obi Wan Kenobi. I I really am looking forward to uh, talking about that one um as tomorrow i will be very busy uh, digging into my my notes that one's going to be a little bit different because it is the longest episode of the series we already made the decision to split the writing duties on that so i'm going to cover the first 22 minutes and uh andy you're up for the second half yep so hopefully you uh will come back and join us on sunday night 6 p.m eastern uh right here on uh, all of our outlets here for fandom power and until then my friends for fandom power my name is wes i'm andy I'm Hank. We'll see you on the next one, guys. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.